Hello, this is Andy Belanger. I'm working on uh, Southern Cross for Image Comics, and this is 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> Stunning. It's like almost like you're excited because of the uh, the new paradigm this week. First of all, <laughs> the the old new paradigm or the new old. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited for many reasons. Uh, one is because you're back. Yay! Uh, I am I'm not excited that Jason is not here, of course. Um, but I just I I read some fun stuff this week and. I'm glad I did because it offset some of the more craptacular moments. Of yeah. Week. So yeah. there you go. Lots of stuff to talk about this week. Yeah. Many many books were read, and we'll get to them because this is Eleven O'clock Comics, episode eight hundred and sixty. Damn. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. As we inch closer to nine hundred, I am David A. Price. Yes, you are. And you may notice the uh, third head of uh, King Ghidra is not here this week. Jason is on vacation. So uh, a little bit. And of everybody back- said, if Jason's not going to do it, I'm not doing it. Because we asked more than a couple of people. Who said that? Coming in tonight. Who said that? Everybody we spoke with. Are you kidding me? No, not everybody, because Tony said he couldn't do it because he had obligations, and it wasn't... Wink, busy. wink. We know what he really meant. We snap our fingers, and Tony says, how oh, high. That's how it works. But, uh, yeah, no, we solicited... Uh, we floated it out there for a couple, two, three people to, to join us, and one of them is a very high-profile artist currently working uh, at Image, with image, let's say, and he's just like, no, I can't. Got to catch a flight. So, well, would have been cool because I got caught up on his book, and I would have slathered him with uh, catch up on his book. Catch up to catch up on his book. So, uh, when he does decide to finally, you know, Dana's with his presence. Yeah, there were wrinkles in it that were not apparent in the first issue, and I was like, damn, those are cool. But you don't get that from the first issue. And it would have been nice to have him here uh, to praise his ass. But unfortunately, it's going to have to wait. But you don't have to wait to save on omnibuses, graphic novels, collected editions, and manga. Uh-uh. Where do you go? Cheapgraphicnovels.com. It's right in the name. Cheapgraphicsnovels.com. And I say unto thee, the pre-order for the Romnibus is live. Yes. Yes, indeedy. 40% off. It's a 125 list. Well worth the price at 125 I say. Your opinion may vary. If, if it does, fooey on you. But anyway, $125 list. Your price? $74.99. That's a $50 savings. That's insane. I will put the link to the omnibus order page you're not going to have to search or scroll through anything i'm putting it right in the show episode thread for this one and you just go click on it bang it'll take you right to it because you really need this this is like a dream come true for a lot of people never thought it would happen and lightning struck not once but two times this year because we're also getting a micronauts omnibus it's insane so get them 
while you can. Because chances are extremely good, something will happen and they'll never be reprinted again. And you don't want that. Yeah. This is These are fine comics. They're part of the reasons why I and many others, Dap and all of us, are rabid comics fans. Because we came up reading this stuff. And they're just gold. Bill Mantlow, man. Got to get it. So uh, CheapGraphicNovels.com will give you the Romnibus for $74.99. That's crazy. Click on the link. Just order it. CheapGraphicNovels.com. Nice. I will be pre-ordering mine this weekend. Me too. Already did. Good. Which made my comment stupid because it's not also this weekend, but I already pre-ordered mine. <laughs> uh, not a... Um, do you remember uh, Doug or Doe from the old forum, Punk Rock Hit? Yes. So I'm, um, I'm just... Drinking my coffee this morning before I get started with work, and I'm I'm um, I'm perusing Blue Sky, the the the, the social network, and uh, I replied to someone's post, and then next thing I know, I get a big ass in all caps. What? Uh, it was the it was the weirdest thing. It says, uh, "Where is it?" Um, all caps. Holy fuck, Dap is in the hell thread. And Ed, we just started riffing back and forth. And so he still subscribes. He wow. does he's got he's got two kids. Uh shit man, time flies. It but certainly uh, does. but but he's he's in a good place, he's doing great. We just caught up for a little bit. But yeah, I just I don't uh he's you know, he he, he helps us um with the numbers because he he's still subscribed to it. He's he's but he has fallen He's fallen behind on his listening, but he's still reading. He just we were talking about the Human Target maxi series from uh, Tom King, but uh, we um, it was just it was it was nice to um, and then he was and other people started chiming in, and then he was kind enough to um, pimp the podcast and 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 talk about it. So uh, to everybody that was kind of like around us, but it was it was just it it blew my mind. It was just it was really nice to just kind of uh, hear. From a, a long lost voice, more or less, and and just uh, just catch up for a few. But I mean, it, it was, and I'm sure that was similar to what some of the folks may have felt. Um, some of the old London's bar posse at Heroes, uh, because uh, a few of the old heads from the forum made it to Charlotte, and uh, damn it, we got to see each other. Yeah, you had you had folks like Bean and Andy Tom and Chris Marshall, and folks like that were there, but. Um, you know, it, it it was just it's been a nice couple of weeks, I guess, in in, in regards to that to that so kind of feeling. You said Bean, Andy, Tom, who else? Chris Marshall. Oh my God! Yeah. Damn I it! I saw a picture with Cam. Oh. Uh, that, that dude just never changes. He's, he's never going to. He's like he's like Dorian Gray. I, I've never. I've 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 never seen cam not look like cam i it's, think he's a muppet insane. i think he's a muppet that's why <laughs> i love him but yes either that or he's a vampire he could be a vampire a vampire so muppet. Quiet and just kind of yeah yeah there already is one so let's talk about the comics i got a huge list to get through um 
going in, uh, I'm going to take it on the chin. <laughs> okay. Because as we know, the fam loves to prove me wrong. They do like to point out when things are said and, yes. and minds are changed. Right. And and granted, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who really um, may be hesitant to admit to, uh, to, to, to a change of an opinion, but uh, we do like to see it amongst our friends because it shows growth and, yeah. and, and the ability to, uh, to change one's mind. Right. Well, this issue had me growing in certain spots <laughs> because you, it you was wonderful. And um, so a little bit more of the, the preface. Um, we talked up Last God incessantly for a good stretch yeah much to jason's dismay because yeah didn't click with jason what with it being fantasy and all that and then we even had the writer on with us we talked we spoke with him right here yeah because we were all we, we were not only were we excited because we got to talk to him about last god but he was also going to be taking over superman post bendis and we were Excited for, for for a fresh voice and uh, and and the hopes to maybe see some of what made us such lifelong Superman right, fans. Right, right. Well, um, so I was very um, enthusiastic, knowing that he was going to be on Superman. That maybe would wash the stink away. Sorry, cue the groan. I know, but it, I have to admit, what he did did not click with me. Right. I'm not saying it's bad. It just didn't, for whatever reasons, it just didn't click. I didn't want to see War World again. Been there many times. Um, and I, it, for what, you know, whatever. Let's not, I don't want to sully the, the waters here. But I, I, up until now, his name has been more or less a deterrent with me. And it, it, on our Slack, which you can become a part of by being a patron. Um, I I draw lines in sand, in case you didn't know. And I said, I'm not trying this, this Hulk thing, because I know that with this guy writing it, I'm not going to like it. And they're just like, oh, you know, because, yeah, I do. I jump to extremes. I really do. But I saw the art. <laughs> and I was like, there is no way that I am not reading this looking as gorgeous as it does at the hands of Nick Klein. So I said, let me give this a shot. Incredible Hulk, number one, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Art by Nick Klein. Color art by Matthew Wilson. Yowza, right? Powerhouse team. And it should be on a book featuring the Hulk, right? Yeah. The Age of Monsters has begun. So now you have my attention. And it was another revelation. I did not like the previous incarnation of the Hulk. Right. It just did not feel right to me. Kate's, mm, I, I don't think it was a very good fit. And I don't think, and I think Marvel found that out too because the reboot came very quickly 
right? What did the 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 um, the Cates run is like? What ten, twelve issues? Oh, plus I think he also um, I don't want to say there were some issues. I think he fell ill, which is why I didn't know that. I think Ryan because he also um, I don't think he's writing Thor. I think he had to also drop out of Thor. That's too bad. Um, and uh, and I think it was Ryan Otley who was finishing writing the Hulk run. Interesting. Um, but again, that wasn't that didn't click with me either. So I've been I've been eager to, to get into the Hulk again, what with him being one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, and this issue, oh my goodness, did not disappoint. And uh, Dap and I are going to tell you why. Because it begins in Iraq. There's a group of looters, probably students, because they make reference to the university a bunch of times. And they arrive to pillage what they believe to be the tomb of a king. Right? They're like, we got to get all the good stuff out of here because the university is going to take everything that has value. And then, you know. So they're thieves, <laughs> basically. And uh, they're going through the, uh, the tomb. And there's a headless remains of a giant sitting on a massive throne surrounded by mummies. No doubt those that served the king in life, because that's how it works. And, and so they encounter this thing before a young lady named Trudy fixates on this skull. And she's like, oh, it looks like a child's skull. And, and she's taken by something. She's transformed into this massive, toothy creature. And she summarily murders the group. Uh, turns to the throne and proclaims, oh, the time is right. It's all brothers and sisters and, and, you know, we'll be free now that the green door is closed and no one will have the strength to stop what's coming. And if you, if you read the uh, Immortal Hulk, you know what the green door is, right? The metaphysical, um, all the trappings of the, uh, the Immortal Hulk series that seems to be still in play, which is very good because I don't think they should discard that stuff. That stuff has value. It, 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 it added more layers to a character that I'm not going to put words in anybody's mouth, but a lot of times the Hulk is, is, is looked at as, you know, Hulk smash. And that's, for a long time, that's what it was. You know, and then Planet Hulk came along and added a couple wrinkles. And, and now um, the Immortal Hulk series just deepened the mythology, which is really good. So I don't think they should jettison that stuff. It's very... Very cool. So um, just like the TV show, Bruce Banner, he's wandering around. You can almost hear the theme music when you see him, right? That that freaking disturbingly <laughs> sad theme music. Um, so he's wandering around Kentucky, and he's tormented by the green guy. More mind games. He's seeing things. Could be hallucinations. Could be not. He has missing time. He wakes up, you know, half naked and... and um, well, you know the drill. It's a Hulk book, right? And uh, there's uh, we're introduced to this young lady named Charlene and her friend Rusty. And Charlie's fixing up a Mustang her grandmother gave her in order to get the hell out of town and find a way from her father, an abusive, drunk asshole. But the, uh, the shithead finds out about his daughter's scheme and he chases her into the night. Well, meanwhile... This is where the, the you know gets gets rolling. 
banner seems to have attracted the attention of a good number of people. Uh, Tony Stark's FBI men. Why is the FBI working for Tony Stark? That was a question I had. Why would he be in command of the FBI? Mm. Or, or a liaison to the FBI? Because right. they, they say they have to report to Mr. Stark or Mr. Stark said blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how, what, where'd that connection come from? Um, what, you know, I'm not steeped in the, the current Marvel Universe. So that was a little weird to me. Um, so Tony Stark's FBI men are on the scene. And the thing, the being that's now wearing that Trudy skin, um, the acolytes call her the eldest or call it the eldest. And, and wouldn't you know it, the eldest has Betty Ross in tow. Imagine that. Betty Ross. Um, <laughs> so Banner hulks out. Charlene's dad crashes the car, giving uh, his spawn ample opportunity to pound his face in the hamburger, which I thought was cool. Uh, the, the girl has the rage. She definitely has the rage. Um, and her face is kind of scarred. From, from I don't know, some past event. We, we didn't get any insight into that. But um, one of the eldest shape-shifting lackeys puts the bite on Charlene's father, thus becoming, uh, it's like the diarrhea thing, uh, coming a, a surrogate asshole dad. And then Trudy, the eldest, she monologues something about the monsters helping out to free the mother of horrors and and seek out the fractured son, who we all know as the Hulk, because he is, of course, the key to this whole mess. And um, that key is now standing before Charlene. And scene. That's the end of it. Just enough teases to keep me interested, or, or, or to wet the whistle, I guess I should say. But the thing that really got me was during the monologue where this eldest is talking about all the monsters. Who do we see? Yeah. What's one of the creatures? Yeah. For those who haven't read this issue, we get a glimpse of the man thing. Yeah, I knew that was going to excite you. Well, come on. I mean, Mm -hmm. and but the, the thing that really got me was it seems to be or I think this team seems to be putting together, it's either going to be a monster romp, which is okay by me, or it's opening the door to maybe a new take on magic via the monster realm. In any case, if you tease me with Marvel monsters, I'm totally in, right? I don't know how you feel, but way, way, way back, it's the Marvel Monsters that, again, pulled me into that whole universe. You you definitely, I mean, not just me, but I mean, just about anybody, but you, you definitely love the Marvel Monsters more than I do. I I appreciate them, and I I, I like reading some of the stories that involve the Marvel monsters, but um, rarely is that going to move me to make a purchase. It, 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 there are other factors that need to be involved. Um, 
I'm easy. Well, where where it comes to monsters, because I mean, we just got done talking about PKJ's earlier works that you weren't a fan of, so you're not that easy. Well, no, but uh, maybe not. But if if the carrot on the end of the stick is the Marvel monsters, like I plowed through Monsters Unleashed just because. Sure. Like a lot of it was was fluffy, right? But for the most part. I don't need much more than seeing Fin Fang Foom thrown down. You know, that's, to me, that's prime time. <laughs> Give me that. Give me more of that. Uh, unless it's I, next wave. Fin Fang Foom. The page of Vince Loves not only has Man Thing, it's also got Mole Man's Moloids. And, uh, and I'm going to guess a Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, sure. It does. Because yeah. Why else would a motorcycle be on fire? Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, so so there's something on his page for everybody, even Moleman fans, both of you. But you have the, uh, the when I think about my favorite Hulk runs, it's Bill Mantlo, it's the bulk of Peter David stuff, especially the Pantheon. I like Smart Hulk, uh, the Future Perfect, things like that. The, the Gerber stuff. I enjoyed and I read because we were doing bullpen bulletins and I wanted to be aware of it. Uh, but that didn't speak to me the same way it would speak to you. Of course, it's also, you know, <laughs> Gerber. So how would it not speak to anybody but you? But it, it's, there's, um, there's, for me, even though, yes, he physically and can act like a monster, I, for some reason, it kind of, it's weird. It really doesn't click to me that Hulk is a monster. It, of course, he is, but it's just one of those things where I don't, I can't. I, I guess I'm too close. I can just, I can't see it. It's, it's weird to kind of explain that. But uh, after Ewing and the the body horror, and it's, it's weird to kind of come back to that so soon. But again, uh, the Kate stuff, and before I forget. Uh, I, I, I said illness. I was probably misspeaking on that. He, it, it, it's like personal stuff. It's just life, is what he said. But oh. he, um, well, he whatever left Hulk it is. With, Sorry. He left Hulk with ten. Otley finished up with issue fourteen. So he, Otley wrote eleven through fourteen based on Kate's notes. The Thor stuff, Kate's stopped in, with twenty eight, and um, Torin Gronbeck, who writes a lot of the Thor spinoff stuff, they've been filling in so, so so they've taken over thor so so kate's is still in talks with marvel but he hasn't doing anything right now but for whatever reason the previous hulk run ended early and we're kind of because i mean we have the references to the green door again yep um so if you if, if you dug immortal hulk then you know you'll you'll probably dig this as well yes of course because of the art um but i am curious to see how johnson takes this character and 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 does something with it because he's still ready action comics over at dc i didn't check out any of the alien stuff did you did you try that at all no no okay um but i i think our boy brian may have uh may have dug it i i i gotta go through the slack and see if he's mentioned it recently but um the i i i read the preview for the Hulk. And then when I went and picked up yesterday's books, I picked up the uh the Jim Chung variant cover of of the first issue to have it because it 
it did feel like something special. I don't know if I'm going to... I'll probably keep the first few issues on my pull list um, just to kind of see where it goes. But um, I... I kind of I, I I did dig it. It it's I don't know where it's, it's been one issue, so I, I can't right now. I'm not going to say where it's going to land on on my favorite Hulk runs, but I mean you can't deny that. I mean Nick Klein is just going all out on these pages, especially like that one page where Hulk is like hulking over the FBI agent, just saying, "Leave me alone." Yeah, he's and massive. He's massive. I should yeah. say that he's in huge with his little head. He's got the long hair. It, it's it's um, I I think I I, I I dug what Klein was doing on Thor when 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 he and Donnie worked on that, but um, it it almost parts of this doesn't kind of it it almost there are pages that that remind me that that look like Nick Klein, but then there are some other panels where I'm just like it's it it it's it felt like he was changing his style up a little bit, and, and that's not a bad thing. It was just it it I've seen Nick Klein's work, and I can pretty much automatically tell that oh Klein illustrated this but there were some some things here and there that um that it fit it works for the story it just didn't look like Klein but I, it it's still it didn't detract or anything i i am right now as far as the first issue goes there just there, there seems I don't know if we needed more pages because there's a lot going on. We've got the eldest, we've got the FBI, we've got um, a runaway, we've got you know Bruce just wanting to be left alone, of course. We've, so it, there, there's a little bit. It 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 almost feels like like Johnson just like threw everything that he had in his outline on these pages in this first issue, and and we'll be able to follow the threads as 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 the book continues but it it um i it kind of deserves a, a a second read through just because there is so much going on and and there's so much the art is just it's a, there 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 are some pages where the the transformations just completely had me pause and and I, I almost lost where I was because I'm just fixated on 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 these images. It's yeah, yeah. He annihilates it. it. He really does. He it, does. It, if the panel borders were white and didn't bleed off the page, you would mistake this for a Bronze Age book. Um, around yes. the around the Marvel magazine era, Monsters Unleashed and stuff like Klein is at that caliber right now. Yeah. And, and it's just gorgeous. It's just amazing to look at. That one panel where uh, Trudy's got her arms out and there's the thing behind her with the open mouth. Like, holy shit, where did this come from? Like, this is just impeccable. I, I love every every page of it. But the... I just, the I, go, go you go. No, I just... I, I, I want to find out what the hell's going on with, with this family because obviously, you know, her face is scarred. Dad's face is scarred that wasn't just from her pummeling him um i she did beat I, the shit out of him though she did she did but i mean look at his face it's like i mean he's got like like open wounds and and it's just that, that yeah i mean the fat lip maybe and and her 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 fists are obviously bruised because she was beaten on him but i don't know about those those gashes in his forehead and 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 the the, the lesions around his eyes 
Well, you can't really tell, but when he's he's in the because of the way he's lit, but when he's, and he's and he's wearing the hat. When he's in the recliner, you can't. There's not really any scars on his face. Doesn't doesn't That's appear to be true. Anyway. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he comes out to yeah. When he's I, it was the cap that was throwing me off. I was thinking that that was covering things, but you can kind of see his face when he's in the house and walking through the door. Maybe she had a ring on or something. She beat, <laughs> gouged his face out with the ring, but. Um, but are the burns from him? Like, did she? I mean, obviously, she she wants to get out of the house, so I'm sure Dad abused her. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it, so I mean, I. I well, it's entirely that. fitting that she's got rage. Absolutely, yeah. and yeah, and of course, that's going to attract her to, to sure. Hulk. But oh, and then when yeah, and, and and yeah, I don't know because then when his body's possessed, it, it's the 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 wounds are, are pretty much gone. So yeah, I don't. It's just I. I've got questions, and, right, and right. I'm going to need more than just this one issue to answer them, obviously. I think it would be really cool if she becomes like a Rick Jones-type character. To yeah, I think that's where they're going with it, because yeah. she's just, he'll he'll protect her, or at least look out for her, or he'll try to, maybe he'll try to keep her away, or say, don't don't hang around me, but of course he's going to just keep making sure she's safe. But. Yeah. Hulk always needs a, a strong supporting cast, because Hulk as Hulk, it's fun, but it becomes you know, one note after a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they realized that very early in, in the, the Hulk run where he needs to have interesting people around him or, you know, at least as interesting as him. And you, we got that. Thunderbolt Ross, right? Um, uh, Doc Sampson, Betty. Mm-hmm. Like, they were fully realized characters and interesting in their own right. And I think that's why the book uh, Jarella like that was great, and and then I'm well. We went to Planet Hulk. We got a ton of very interesting characters, as well as the Hulk. So I think I think good old Bruce needs a posse in order to be really creatively successful, right? And I, I'm guessing that this this what this is going to be. Um, one of my f- fondest memories is back in the Bronze Age when Marvel did the Legion of Monsters, like. That set my freaking world on fire. It was a magazine. Then it was in the four color comics, and it was like uh, just all of these, you know, creatures of the night together. That's cool. Like we need, you know, like Justice League Dark is cool, but I need a a team of just monsters. That would be awesome. And I think I hope that's where we're getting here. It may become some even on either side. I don't really care what side it's on. If you got a uh, you know, a, a squad of villains that are all monsters. That's cool, too. Um, and again, I, I, I'll say it. This feels very dire to me. Where, <laughs> doesn't it, though? Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, yeah. let's let's wear the skin of this thing. It's like you don't know who's your friend anymore because they you have these creatures that could take the, the form of, of your loved ones or your friends, and uh, they may not be inside. So that's really neat. Uh, where the diarrhea, you know, stuck you in the forehead with that that tendril thing. These seem to be just able to do it on a on a whim or by eating you or something. So that's kind of cool. I don't know. It, as a as a a first issue, it's a hell of a hook. It really is. Yeah. I think uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, Charlene's friend is wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. Yeah. Yep. Rusty. Good old Rusty. Good old Rusty. Yeah. Of course, his name's Rusty's in Kentucky. Well, she ran to uh, the hills, so. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, well, we, 
I had a, a train of thought, oh, I too bought this in single issues, and I'm just going to keep doing it. I'll stick with this. As long as the monster shtick is going to be a central part of this, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. As long, you know, as, Nick, as long as Nick Klein doesn't go anywhere. And hell, even if he does, I'll probably, uh, if it's as good as this first issue, I'll stick with it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Who am I kidding? Yeah, I like if, if I if I make it ten into it, I'm not going to stop because then I'm like, well, I can't stop because then stop now. Yeah, I need the run. <laughs> right, it could go to seventy five issues, but fuck it, I got the first ten. I can't. Oh, stop can now. you imagine if this goes seventy five issues? That would that, be something. That'd be awesome. And I did. Um, I read the uh, the preview pages from the um, or the the prologue that was uh yeah me too recent hulk annual that was illustrated by travel foreman and it's just it's just the eldest and 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 her crew but um yeah obviously it's it 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 picks up from the main story which i wasn't really feeling but the um, i didn't like it either i i just uh so i don't know so so when this gets collected into you know the, the the philip kennedy johnson hulk omnibus i don't know if they'll just have those handful of pages or if we'll have to have the whole annual to make it make sense but um it, it, it's it i think if if there's one thing that i think johnson knows how to do and whether or not that pans out or he does it well your mileage may vary but he definitely seems to have a plan nothing is done haphazardly he doesn't just wing it and just feel like you know we'll see where the story takes me he he knows where things are going and he'll start he'll start the story you'll get a little tease somewhere before the main story the main ongoing begins but he um he's got uh i'm i'm he knows exactly what he's where the story's going well look at what he did for last god right they didn't pull that source book guidebook whatever it was thing out of their asses there's no right. way that they could throw no. that together so quickly he had all that stuff planned out mm-hmm. before or or the majority of it and maybe they fleshed it out a little bit more for the 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 guidebook but everything was pretty much thought out going in and i think i hope that this that's where this is going to that he's got a roadmap yeah. and uh he knows where he's going to take us more or less like i'm open to uh improvisation like you know any great writer will tell you that you know they have their plan and something will come along that alters the plan in a more creative or better way than they had originally mapped it out and they go with it that's great you got to be resilient when you're a writer i think and always be open to inspiration from wherever it comes just because you have it planned out doesn't mean you got to stick to it right Mm -hmm. and i i hope uh, I'm just optimistic about this. I really am. That that there's a Hulk book again that is is worth reading. It's very much worth it. I I I, I think it is. I think there is. I think yeah. I it's and even if I'm I'm looking forward to what happens after the first arc because if if I if for whatever reason I don't stick with it. I I want to, I, I almost want you to tease me that I should continue to read it because you're going to be talking about future issues and it's going to sound too good to to pass up. Right, right. Well, I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, and yes, uh, 
the our buddies can can get me again because I reneged. I went back on my word, and it's true. I think this this first issue is pretty perfect. Like even the the title spread. Oh my god, that image is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's just it's one and the the green with the purple like shut yeah. up and it's all yeah. dis- distressed and shit. It's, it's just totally, great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I solicit well, we solicited opinions on this issue from our wonderful Slack family, and and they delivered. Oh, good. What they really say? did. Well, we got uh, Brian C. Uh, asks, is this opening up the door for a dark magic corner of Marvel, or is it just the monster corner? One page really showcased this. And we don't know, but we can hope, right? <laughs> you know, either or would be f- great, by, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, let's see what else we have here. We have Raj said, it was a great first issue. Nick Klein, as usual, kills it on every page. Transformation is disgusting, and I loved it. True that. As a PKJ fan, this was pretty great, and I'm in for what he has in store for Banner. Chris Chavez says, hearing this is going the way of a green-skinned Hellboy, that would not be a bad thing. Uh, Jeff Carter, really like that he is poking around the dark corners of the Marvel Universe, including real-world myths and legends. There are so many directions he could go with this. And he of both Long Dong and Wind, Mr. Caleb, says, This feels much more in line with what I wanted following Immortal. I'll never begrudge a creator for shooting their shot, but the Kate's Otley uh, mesh didn't fit. Kirby left us a genetic map for what a good Hulk story should be. A monster punching up against an incalculable force with the finesse of a hurricane. This feels right, and it fits in tonally, or totally, could be tonally, it is tonally, with what Percy is doing in Ghost Rider, which has been excellent. There's a sprinkling of Peter David in there, too. PKJ and Klein may not take the mythos through the Dante filter as Ewing did, but it's getting back on track with the psychological horror that the monster mythos is ripe for. That there you go. And he loves the mole man. Yeah, yeah there you go. Who doesn't love the freaking mole man? I probably think of a couple of people. Well, it's they're silly. Exactly, they're silly. Yeah, but it was great. So PKJ, uh, I am sorry. But I won't read the stuff. But I'm sorry for just blanketing, not touching your stuff anymore. Because obviously, I will. And I did. And I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Very nice. Yeah. What else do we have? I mean, I got tons of stuff. You want to hear me? I have tons of stuff. Um, I read the second issue of Titans ah. by um, Tom Taylor and um, Nicholas Scott with uh, Annette Kwok on colors. Um, what's weird and totally not related to, to the story at all, but what, what for some reason with some faces in this issue and it I, I don't know why it really didn't click before and obviously it's not the same style 
But some of the faces remind me of Rick Veach. It's it's weird. It's just it's I don't know if it's like the nose and the jaw or, or but there's there's areas of faces on some of the characters that I just I see I I, I see a Rick Veach face. So it looks um, phenomenal. <laughs> it's still I mean some of it does look what you and I would think was what we talked about with the first issue some of it being maybe a little stiff um but i mean you know her line work is is amazing her, her figure work is fantastic it's just whether or not it works with a sequential action-oriented superhero book is up to the reader to to, to decide but um especially the last page with um or was it it was uh um yeah, with with uh, with Dick and Donna, and um, there was just this. Yeah, I I just I I see those noses, I see those eyes, and I was like, this this looks like that. Maybe maybe not necessarily like you know, Army at Love, but there's just there's something here that that, that just reminds me of. Um, I just I kind of don't don't trust these these eyes, these, these faces. There's something something dark and sinister behind them. But uh, this issue picks up where the last one left off with um with the titans um standing over the dead body of the flash um although first we get a little bit of a flashback where um the titans are about to attack brother blood's headquarters it it's it's an old story because it's it's robin it's Dick Grayson as, as Robin in, a, in an outfit where he's wearing long pants. So again, I, I'm not, I have no idea what, what's going on post New 52 Flash or anything like that. Everything, no, no nobody's costume. Like we, we, we don't know what era anything happened in. Anyway, I'm, I'm, and there are days where I'm fine with that. But then there are other times where the, the continuity nerd and, and canon purist wants to figure out follow the, the lines where everything goes but uh this version of the titans that's breaking down the door is um is robin is speedy is kid flash aqualad cyborg starfire raven beast boy and wonder girl in her george perez era teen new teen titans number one outfit um so this is not a lineup that i've ever seen previously so um it exists in 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 this universe in this book anyway but uh they break into the place and the justice league has already made quick work of brother blood and um and the cult followers and it's uh it's superman green lantern wonder woman martian manhunter batman with the uh yellow in the oval on the chest um and the Titans kind of leave the place simply dejected because the Justice League kind of took their nemesis. And, and and the kids are wondering, now, are they allowed to do that? Can they do that? And well, but they did. So um these teens are just having a little little chit chat talking about how, you know, a person's mortal enemy should be off limit. Should be off limits. And and Donna asks if uh Wonder Girl says, Do you think when our time's come when our time comes, the Titans will be as good as the Justice League? And Robin says, No. He says, We'll be better, Wally. I know it. And that's when we cut to now 
to see um, Titan's Tower and Bloodhaven to a dead flash on the floor. Um, and Starfire says that someone has to call Linda. Let her know. So so Nightwing says, I'll do it. And, uh, and he comes back because... He, almost as soon as he leaves the room and, and Starfire says, well, that was a short call. And he says, yeah, because uh, Linda didn't answer. He did. And Wally comes zooming in uh, saying that he's sorry he's late and then looks down on the floor and, and sees a dead body. And um, and Cyborg, you know, they, they, they go to the med bay. Cyborg, Cyborg gets, has scanned it for any extra dimensional signs. Uh, this, this Wally Wood is from our world. Um but Dick's theory is that uh, it's actually Wally from the future. Um, with the limited time you had, you traveled back to get to us to get us to solve your murder before it happened. So it's it's they're working around kind of one of those those stories. Um, while they're trying to figure this out, Oracle calls and says that um, a blast, a massive blast, has uh, taken out a city-sized patch. Mm-hmm of uh borneo and um and si- and and so i still call him changeling but beast boy's like listen we we gotta go because there are we we there are countless species that exist only in the uh borneo rainforest so so we gotta bounce and um and wally's like well all right i can beat feet over there but dick's like no you and i Nightwing and, and Flash are going to stay put because they're going to um, they're, they're going to get to the bottom of whatever this mystery is. And while he's like, wait, I'm I'm not going to stand by unless you think you can stop me. And then he pauses. He says, wait, do you, you can you stop me? And Nick's like, if I need to. And Cyborg's asking him, so you have contingencies on your friends for your friends just, just like Batman does. And 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 Nightwing says, "Listen, in a team with this level of power, it would be irresponsible not to have contingencies in place. But unlike Batman, I won't hide that from any of you. Um, I know your strengths and weaknesses, which is why I know exactly a forest fire is the kind of chaotic environment where someone can get close to the Flash. And like I said, I detected wood smoke and ash in the victim's suit. So he's just eliminating all possibility and any 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 avenues." where the dead flash might actually happen. Dick's just trying to get it all off, the, all, all off the board. So the rest of the, um, it, it, it doesn't make for strong friendships, I guess, but if you're in his position and taking into account whom he learned from, mm-hmm. it does make sense to have it, files it, on your buddies. Like it, it it's not it, better to be prepared than not. Right, right. It would be like it would be it would be irresponsible. It'd be silly if if you know Cyborg or Changeling or Raven or Starfire just decided to just you know go buck wild and start tearing buildings down. And here's somebody who is your teammate and you knew them, but you didn't think to know. Like when right. they spar, when they're in the danger room, like you don't think that you would have the ability to take down your friend. Like you can't counter their moves. Like you would. I would think that that would just make sense. And when you're younger. When you're a teen, when, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, you may not be thinking like that about your friends, but these are much older characters. It should now. be second. Grown. Yeah, it should be second nature to Dick to right. take to take mental notes. Um, and, but what do you do if, if Donna goes haywire? 
how do you counter that? It's like Wonder Woman going, going Wonder Woman going off the freaking rails. You, how do you deal with that? Right. But he's got. He's, he's going to have to think. You know, like dominoes. He's going to like this person is going to like like, like ricocheting a, a bottle cap off a bunch of walls before it lands into the garbage. He's he's just going to have to. He's going to have to plan it out regardless of who may turn or who may attack. And it, it, you know, Taylor explained it well enough. So I, I appreciate that. And he, um, but Dick says that Donna is going to lead this mission. And, and it, at first it seemed like she was hesitant, but she does. So, so the team heads to, uh, Borneo and, and, uh, and I mean, it's, there's a massive, gaping fiery hole uh in the middle of the rainforest and um there's a uh there's a river a few miles away so um raven and cyborg head there gar changes into a um into an ape so he can uh he can appear friendly to uh <laughs> to to the other uh, animals down there, and and uh, he's he's trying to calm them and get them out of danger. Um, so Raven and Cyborg, using uh, their ability to teleport, and um, and Cyborg's uh, tech, they basically kind of transport the river water um, down to. Uh, Oh, oh, over the flames, over the forest fire, and uh, so so they drench the fire, say what they can of the forest. There's a, um, there were some people, the, the there was an illegal tree clearing operation that uh, Starfire found, um, and they're they're not responsible. But Gar, of course, starts to um, getting ready to attack them, Cyborg. Put a stop to that. Um, but uh, Cyborg, using his forensic tech, um, the energy signature that caused the destruction um, is, uh, is from Tamaran. It, it's, it's, now, normally it, I would jump to conclusions and say, well, it's got to be Blackfire then. Right. But the fact that the first issue ends making you think that it's going to be this huge battle with brother blood. And within the first three pages, he's already beaten like Taylor's not playing to expectations in this book. And, and that, and the brother blood at the beginning of this issue, um, I, there's, well, we get to the end of the issue, but but after after they leave the uh, the rainforest, get back home. Um, yeah, Donna and Corey are having a little heart to heart because uh, Donna wants to make sure that that Corey's okay, since you know Dick Nightwing had her lead the team, and um, and and Starfire's finally cool with it. She's like, "Listen, we've um, it's all we've done so far is react to disasters." Um, we have a murder of a friend to solve and, uh, and so we don't have time for like any petty internal squabbles, anything like that. You came up with a strategy to put out the fire in minutes. So, you know, there's no reason why, um, 
you wouldn't be a a a, a competent leader. I'll I'll follow you wherever. It it, it absolutely makes sense. Um, and while uh, while Cyborg is is kind of just opening up boxes and and chatting with uh, with, with Gar and and Raven, the TV's on and uh, and it's a talk show, and Brother Blood is a guest and um and so the host calls out brother blood he says uh oh we're not using that name anymore and the host is asking why not he says i mean partly because it's icky but mostly because we're looking forward now not back we are now the church of eternity and uh and the host is like so your brother eternity he's like yeah i guess it lacks you know that that alliteration but it's far more fitting and then he asks, how has such a young man risen to be the leader of a church? And Blood says, oh, eternity, says, I- I'm not all that young. I just have a very good skincare regimen. So I'm not sure if this is actually the same Brother Blood that the Justice League took down at the beginning of this issue, or if it's the same Brother Blood that the Titans have taken on in the past. But um, he's talking about uh, basically doing things better for the planet and and for people and yes he realizes that religions have been corrupted by money um but uh you know the world is ending yet we don't have to end with it and and there are um there are other habitable planets out there because obviously with aliens living amongst us like superman starfire etc um we uh we don't have to stay on earth um and he's asked, you know, so you're asking your followers to to finance all this. How, how do you respond to those who say this is a who who see this as a shameless cash grab? And um, and he basically just retor- replies with, uh, you know, most religions are shameless cash grabs. So you know, he's got a point there. But uh, while most sell the promise of salvation after death, we're offering something for the li- living. So he's saying all the right things. And he says, we're crowdfunding the continuation of the human race. We believe that will attract quite a crowd. And um, and the host is, uh, but in the past, the Church of Blood has had some uh, run-ins with superheroes. And and again, Eternity's like, listen, we're not, we're not trying to sanitize our history. Um, the Church of Blood has been monstrous. And great heroes like the Titans have had to stand against us. Um, but I'm pleased to announce that a Titan has chosen to join our ranks. And out comes Garth, a prince of the seas, but most of you know him as Tempest. And then you just see Garth saying, what the actual hell? And that's the end of the issue. But it's so, did Blood speak to Garth before the first issue when he kind of turned down Dick and Donna? Was this after the fact? So there's still, well, we might see how things, how some things will play out. But, um, Whereas the first issue was uh, this issue, it continued the story, but it didn't have the um, it didn't have the 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 action or the uh, the excitement of of the first issue. It, it it's a fine issue because listen, they're still moving in. There's a little little tease with the with the mystery of Wally. There's yet another disaster. Um, we're going to find out more, I guess, about Brother Blood and what he's up to. So it it continued. It it it, it it's another chapter in this tale. But um, but after 
I was as hyped as I was or excited to see where we were going after the first issue. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I got it here, but um, maybe it'll be like uh, maybe the, the 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 reverse of the Star Trek movies. Maybe every every other issue will um, will, will will be tickled. Will be one that tickles me. But uh, it was a um, it's it's fine i i need to i'm gonna need more i i I just when i got to the end of the issue it just it was this is this is the kind of issue where it reminded me i read this and i thought about a lot of the people who would complain about bendis's avengers issues where they're kind of just sitting around and talking and Again, if that's meant to still tell the story however you want to tell it, but again, after the um, after the first issue, taking on a kaiju and facing off against Peacemaker, and this was just um, you know they, they were able to take care of the forest fire in a, in a matter of a couple of pages, um, but it just it I, I don't know if it just didn't feel cohesive to me. I don't know. It, it's it's weird. I or, or maybe I'm just maybe i'm just too strict or not um not as forgiving when it comes to the titans but it's just um i wanted to enjoy this issue a lot more than i did especially after the first issue if that makes sense i think it's pretty damn inventive like i don't have the loyalty to the titans that you do sure but i mean coming on the first issue introduced the murder of a titan not only a titan but wally and then He's again. Uh, he's not playing to expectations. You would right. think that the death of a, a major player like Wally would be front and center, but it's not. It's like, oh yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. But and then again with the the whole brother blood thing, it's like, oh, we're all amped up. We're going to take on brother blood, and it's like, eh, Justice League already got him. It, you know what I mean? He's pulling the rug out from under you. I think that's ballsy. I think yeah. it's inventive. I think it's cool. It's fun. And I don't know about you. But if I was hanging around the, the family room and Corey had shorts on and a belly shirt, uh-huh. I'd need a pillow yeah. from her lap. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And Donna, shut up. But anyway, I see what you're saying about the Veach faces because okay. that right. that profile of Superman yes. is dead on Veach. It looks just like the it's way a panel he, with Raven. The There's way he styles um Especially the jawline and the the brow, it's yes, yeah, Sorry. yeah. I'm not crazy. That's great. All right, thank you. Well, I mean, it, if if you showed this to someone, you know, who wasn't as as you know experienced with Veach's artwork, because it's not completely Veach, but the, there's right. a there's a uh, a little air of Veach to it, which is not a bad thing. No, I think this not. issue looks great. I think it looks better than the first issue. I think the. Uh... I think maybe the, the the colorist is getting more comfortable working with with Nicola in, in this setting. Um, there are there are some panels that just that, that absolutely pop. Um, there's also a lot of unmasked faces in this issue, so maybe that's that might be throwing me too. But I just it, it was it, it there there were pages like like when they're you know, unpacking. It's just. It's mellow and low key, and right. Um, and it's hard to do. It is. It is very hard it, to do. It's. I mean, so it, it, it's, I'm not. 
not poo-pooing the book. I'm not saying I'm done. This is it. I, I, I gave it two issues, but it was just it. After after reading the first one, I didn't know. Um, and that, that that's on me. That I, I I thought we were kind of going. Uh, we were going to get. We were gonna continue that level. And 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 Taylor's just kind of giving you a second to to maybe catch your breath. I, maybe it's too early yeah. to catch your breath after one issue. But it is. It's this is the way he's telling the story. And I'll, I, I also don't want to, it's also the second issue. So I don't want to, I'm not trying to judge an entire arc based on not even 40 pages. So I'll, uh, I'll be here for the third issue and, and we'll see where it's going. Um, but yeah, like you said, I just, I, I've, I've, I've got the history and, and I just, they're, you're kind of unforgiving a lot when it comes to the Titans. It's okay. You love them. I mean, we get it. No, it's 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 plain as day. You you have you have a lot of a love for this group and when it strays from what you consider the script, it doesn't go down all that well. But yeah. Let's just wait till this storyline's over and then you see, yes, right? Exactly. Uh, I think Scott is really adept at uh expressive eyes. I yes. Like even when Gar's the hawk, that's crazy that he that they they could get that kind of expression out of the eyes of a hawk. It's nuts. I really like the way she draws Gar. I, I, I like the mutton chops, I like the the, the the I I just yeah, I I like again, he's still changeling to me, but I like I, I, I like the look here. Yeah. It's it's really well done. And like I said, it, having a bunch of characters out of costume. I mean, the costume is a stylistic thing that everybody can can glom onto. But when you just have characters chilling in a room, drinking coffee, and just kicking back, like that's mm. to, to, in, in order to make it engaging and make it interesting, it's really not that easy. Anybody can do, you know, can fall back on the the, the speed lines of a running flash or the the, the cape flourish of a superman but when you got to do characters just laying on a couch having fun just chilling like that's that's not easy it's it, and she and it's yeah, a challenge she's, she she's good with that so yeah this is uh surprisingly good good yeah cool beans again with the cool beans cool uh, beans for days. I, we may have a marvel orama <laughs> okay yeah it's nuts but uh, I, I read – well, this is a, a, a Marvel book by way of Viz, I believe. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't read this. This has been in the can for a long time. Uh, I didn't read it when it first came out, uh, but I rectified that such, uh, oversight because I do like Sutomu Nihai because Biomega is amazing. I don't know if you've ever read it. But it's incredible. And the one thing, the, the, the stamp of Nehi is world building. Extremely adept at creating these, these environments, believable, immersive, fully fleshed out environments. And that's what you get here with Wolverine Snicked. Was this originally a, a weekly serial? I don't know if it was it weekly, but it was. I think it was a five-part miniseries published. Okay. In. okay. I read the collected edition, so right. I, I don't know. 
but um, written and illustrated by Sutomu Nihai of Blame and by Omega. Color art by Guru Effects. And therein lies the problem. Because they even say it in, there, there are extensive notes. There's Dragada does the intro to this thing. And there are, there's an art gallery in the back with some text. And right in the introduction to the art gallery, which is Nehi's black and white illustrations, right? It says, Wolverine Snicked was written and drawn by Sutomo Nihai, a manga artist known for his impressive and foreboding work in black and white. I have to read that again. Um, I, again, Biomega is in black and white. And I think Nihai excels in the form. He does not need color. And that's the problem with this book. I don't know if it was before or after the fact, because yeah. I haven't read the original. But the color it is just playing tits on a bull in this, this book. It's unnecessary. I'm not saying it's bad. It's certainly accomplished. I mean, it's, it's guru effects. Uh, what is here is, is nicely done, but I think it's unnecessary. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so obtrusive. It just does not work. Uh, a lot of the uh, knee-high strengths come from negative space. And all of the negative space in this book is slathered with color. If, and not only color, but color with filters, effects filters. I just think it, it detracted immensely from the, the, the amazing artwork in this book. Did it kill the book for me? Almost. But mm. almost, yeah. The, the saving grace of this thing is the world building and the art. Because... Uh, right from the cover. The cover is very reminiscent of the work of Johann Noor. And you don't know who he is, but I'll tell you. The graphic designer of Merkborg. It's an RPG. Uh, that uh, is known for its atypical presentation. Like, you've seen RPG books, right? It's mostly walls of text with little spot illustrations or a full-page illustration here or there, right? In Merkborg, the design is inseparable from the information. It's, it's each, each spread is incredibly well-designed, and the, the, the strengths of the design mirror the strengths of the typography. So they work well in tandem, and it's, they're very, the information presented is not D&D, it, there are not reams and reams of, of, of text. It's very light rules. So they can get away with having a lot of visual real estate to play, play around with. So when I looked at the cover of this, I'm like, oh, damn. Um, it, it looked a lot like Merkborg. But the, the sci-fi iteration of, of Merkborg, it's called Cyborg, pun intended. Um, but the fact that the point I'm trying to make is that the world building in Snicked is very much in line with the kind of stuff you encounter in RPGs. Like everything is explained in this book. He just doesn't say like if some, well, I'll get to it. But if somebody gets possessed by something, 
the reasoning and almost the stats, like almost down to the stats of, of what's happening is told to you. So it's kind of cool. Like it's, it's very extensive world building. It, it, the plot's not that world breaking or original. I mean, there's a young lady named Fusa who needs help in the future eradicating uh, an invasion. And she pulls Wolverine out of the past and takes him to the future to help destroy these creatures. Why? Well, it's the year 2058, and there's these things called mandates that have infested the place. And there's a, a, a main mandate called the progenitor, of course. What else are you going to call it? Or the primogenitor. What else are you going to call it? Um, and this thing can make more mandates. And if a mandate gets close to a human, it can inject the human with... Get this. It injects the human with micronucleate parasites. <laughs> like, do we need to know that? No. But it's, it just, it, it's so fully fleshed out that Nehi thinks that's crucial to the story that they're telling. And it probably is, right? Because there's a backstory to this thing. The mandate came from a mutated flesh-eating bacteria, which was originally designed to eliminate all the toxic crap that's dis destroying the planet, right? And the, the mandate has... The, the, the essence of the mandate is concentrated in this orb in its midsection called the orb core, which the orb core was originally designed as a safe way for people to transport this bacteria as they were working on it. Because should the thing get out, you know, it's untested, it would ravage the planet. So they had it in this, this core. And then shit went south, as expected. And, and the first mandate, the, the primogenitor, can create more mandates at will. And only the primogenitor can make more mandates. So here's the deal. You have to destroy the orb core to take out the, the mandate. If you don't, if you just chop its head off or cut its arms off or whatever, it regenerates. So there are major pains in the ass, right? And they can adapt their bodies to the environment. If they need to fly, they sprout wings. If they need to swim, they sprout fins. Like, it's insane. Um, so he's really put in the work and really thought this thing out. But, so you're thinking, why Wolverine? What the hell is Wolverine um, crucial to this scenario? Because there is a human safe house in the future into which the mandates cannot break they just can't do it the walls are made of something that they can't break through do you know what the walls are made out of could it be adamantium <laughs> yes it's it's adamantium that's right so of course wolverine has adamantium claws so one would think that if the the mandates can't break through our safe house because it's made of this stuff. And the problem is, 
the the beings of the future can't make more adamantium. They forgot the technology. The human organism has not evolved. They've devolved. Like uh, the stuff that they knew in the past, they've either discarded it or forgotten it or lost the technology or you know the the, the hard drives went kablooey so they don't know how to make adamantium and there's this character running around called the colonel and he has adamantium armor and he has this arm cannon that fires adamantium bullets and he's running low on ammunition yeah wouldn't you know it so I mean it's 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 kind of contrived and 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 a bit rote, but I think it's cool. And it, the the reason why is because I get the feeling that Nehi is completely convinced that this was a great story. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds derogatory or or I'm, I'm demeaning the work, but going in, I'm guessing that. They were energized for this because you could tell by the art, right? The creatures are disgusting and really cool and, you know, biomechanical and all that stuff. It's not too far removed from Biomega. In fact, if you told me that this was taking place in the same uh, creative bubble that Biomega was created in, I would believe you. Because, except for the color. But visually, it looks a lot like Biomega. And uh, so Wolverine comes to the future. She pulls him to the future. She has this mutant power where she can, if she thinks about getting something, she could just do it. So she not only travels across time, she travels, travels across space, and she touches Wolverine's hand in, the, in his time, and whoosh, they're sucked into the future. That's a big problem. For Logan, because this Fusa girl is the only one who could do it. So if she dies in the future, Wolverine's shit out of luck. He's not going back to his own time. Like, that's a big problem. So she tries to convince him to help. And Wolverine's basically like, well, what choice do I have? I, I have to. Because if I don't, something happens to you, I'm not getting back to my time. So I guess I got to do this. And it's Logan, too. He's you know, say what you will about him. He he does have a a warrior's code, right? If something mm-hmm. is is amiss, he'll 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 deal with it. Um, and so the 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 chewy center is that Wolverine has to take out the primogenitor in order to save the future. That's the entire story. I, I don't, I'm not downplaying it because the joy in this book, I think, at least for me. Was the was just the art. The art's pretty breathtaking, and I kind of wish I could see it without the color, because sure. again, I, I think the colors. It's just very distracting. Like like the the colonel has a texture all over him, and I I get it. He's supposed to look like distressed metal and 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 pitted and pockmarked and okay, but. It's just for me the the chroma the color is 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 taking away from the line work. And are you familiar with Nehi? Not all that much. Right, not an elegant draftsman. In in fact, a, a lot of the line work looks like he's he's trying to beat the clock. 
but to me that's my lifeblood like this the 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 the, the um the scratchiness and the the expressiveness of the line like there are some marks that look like he's just digging right into the illustration board like that i love that and uh i don't want to say very little finesse but he's confident enough to just lay it down and not worry that every line is entirely perfect again the go-to is P. Craig Russell. That's not what this is. Like every P. K. P. Craig Russell line is a symphony. <laughs> every knee-high mark is a septic tank, <laughs> which is good. I love that. I love it when it's when it's you know you got to clean out the gunk from underneath your fingernails, right? And it's just ugh, it's, you could you could smell the oil and the and the the grease and all of the the stench of this human safe house and it's just, i think it's wonderful to look at it really is but again it, if if the story was a, a pool it would be maybe a foot and a half deep at best right it's it's not revolutionary in any way other than the visuals but i i kind of love this book M you know uh, again minus the color Right. Yeah. And I don't yeah, like again, I didn't do enough research into it to 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 learn whether it was uh originally presented in color. Knowing Marvel it probably was. Because why would anybody buy a buy a black and white book? That's preposterous. Well when I get the um uh the Spider Man, was it fake red, the the upcoming manga, I think that's black and white. Right. That's but is that to showcase the red? Because it's right in the title, right? I don't know. I, I, Marvel has published some black and white stuff. Mm -hmm. But maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking if this was originally done in, with color, that Nehi had to agree to it. And it, But looking at the, the, the line work, he did not make any allowances for the color. Right. Like it, the, the, the line work looks to me exactly like more there's some of the backgrounds are a little vacant like they're just color in some spots so he may have done that intentionally because i there's a lot of line work in blame and by omega like it's festooned with line and mark and and i mean if you look at at uh at wolverine you look at logan you look at at the other characters and there's there's no there's no flesh color on no on their faces no he's pale he's freaking pale yes so i mean it's it's one it, so yeah i don't it's but i mean you know the 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 x on his shoulder on the leather jacket is in gold and and but yeah it's but nobody's and even the twins over here with their with their light blue faces but i mean for the most part and maybe that's what because I started flipping through it and I got up to about the third part. But um, I was telling you before we started tonight, it just, it, it, it didn't grab me. So I stopped it so I could read something else that I would hopefully um, right. enjoy a bit more. But um, th th there are some panels, some pages look pretty cool. Uh, but I just, 
I don't I don't know if it was the story. I don't know if it definitely wasn't the art. It, maybe the color was also kind of just throwing things off. It yeah, it's things really, look a little muddy at times. It's jarring. Yeah. And and very digital. But yeah. uh, I mean all the other bases are covered. I think the story is good enough. The creature design and the tech uh, are just impeccable. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what Nehi is one of the trademarks of Nehi. Um, even Wolverine, I think it's a neat design for Wolverine. It's it's very spare, um, wide eyed. You know, but I'm guessing that one could explain away the fact that there's not a whole lot of pigment in their skin, and the fact that they live underground in a store, yeah. in, in a safe house. So that could be the reason. Does explain Logan, but yeah, no, it doesn't. But it's true. Maybe they have shitty um, fluorescent lighting. But lighting. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. There's a you didn't get to it because you you tapped out. There's a a speedway. I don't know a tubeway chase where they're on these this little ship and they're speeding through these tunnels and this giant thing is is chasing them and uh the ship blows up and luckily they had speeder bikes on board <laughs> so everybody's on a speeder bike and it's like really kinetic and and high high energy and they're they're, they're moving all over the place and there's trails of of smoke coming from the bikes like it's really cinematic and really well done but it's just it's a shame that they had to sully this thing with color i think it's still worth buying and reading with the one caveat that the you know uh, the the color doesn't do the art any favors oh and he gets all met on the last page yes he does uh there's a jim morrison <laughs> reference on the last page which is cool but the wolverine has to kill the primogenitor right as we said and uh, I won't reveal too much of it because in case you want to read it, there's there are things going into the battle that are important and I don't want to be spoiled. But at one point, Wolverine's arm is entirely stripped of flesh, right down to the bone. And we've seen that before, Civil War, like a bunch of stuff. But he, in order to use his claw on the stripped arm, he has to hold it with his good arm because it's just bone there's no muscle so he holds his hand skeletal hand to keep it from coming apart with his good hand like that's really cool imagine the pain he's in you get your flesh stripped and not only flesh but muscle and everything else stripped right down to the bone like you're in some freaking pain regardless of a healing factor or not. And he grabs that bony hand, and he's, he's, he's shoving the, the blade into something, holding it with his other hand. That's really neat. I think that's cool. That, for me, was like, God damn, that's cool. That's the reason. Thank you. That's the payoff for, for the color, as far as I'm concerned. Like that, There are scenes that stick with you, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of them. It's... Um... I'd be curious to know anybody who does read this gets to that last page and isn't a Doors fan thinks that he's referring to Grant. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Because yeah, I don't see many... Well, that's not entirely true. The vinyl made a resurgence, so maybe. But <laughs> no, I, I don't see a lot of um, the current crop of kids knowing where that quote came from but that's cool they could google it yeah 
Yeah, I mean it's a quote. You should Google it. So yeah, yeah. You, you'll write that maybe down. you'll you'll get into the doors and and your your life will be better. I know you're not a fan, but I, uh... it's okay. You don't have to be. I I know I don't have to be. I think we all have our Dave Matthews bands, right? <laughs> Yeah, this, have the actual Dave Matthews. You're well, right. Well, this, uh, yeah, this book, and you know the 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 art gallery, in the end, that's just plain black and white. It's it's a tease. It really is because you're you're you just well uh, speaking only for myself. I looked at it. And I'm like, man, why can't this book all be like this? Yeah. Why can't every page just look? It's phenomenal. But at least you get some of the black and white of the page, the scene you were explaining earlier. With yeah, the, with the the flesh and yeah. not being there and. Yeah, it's a cool little thing, and it was Viz, so it's a it's a was and it a, was it was issues because it, it is issue one cover art issue two. Co- I remember these covers. Shit, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm almost entirely certain that it was originally published with the color. But look at that line work on the back cover. Like, hot damn, give me all yeah. of that. You don't. It doesn't need the crutch of color. Uh, so yes, it was a, a a joint effort between Viz Media and uh, Marvel. It's a Corey Pettitorama because he lettered The Incredible Hulk and he lettered this. <laughs> Can we? <laughs> yeah, Wait, did he? Did, did he? Uh, hold on. Did he letter the issue I'm about to? Uh, fuck no. Steve wants. Somebody, maybe, we'll find something that uh, that he also lettered, I'm sure. Um, or we could just make it up. Or we just make it up. Yeah. Uh, the. Uh, well, I'll keep the DC train rolling. Look at um, that. And uh, this isn't the end of the arc, these four issues. Um, it's, uh, I think it concludes with issue 17, with the fifth part. But there was a um, Batman Superman World's Finest by the extremely talented creative team, Mark Wade and Dan Mora. Uh, Tamara Bondolin on color, Steve Wands on letters. This was a bit of a um, even okie doke, and I'm not mad about it because it starts off where we 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 get another we get the retelling of Metamorpho's origin because um, there's a uh, Simon Stagg is um, has been poisoned um and once um once that happens as soon as simon stagg shows up in a story metamorpho isn't going to be far behind because sapphire stagg is not going to be far behind uh so we get a neat little little retelling of uh of rex mason slash metamorpho's origin uh more does a fantastic job with that we um the whole thing, a little bit of uh, some more body horror, body horror rama, because we see, we actually, like, for one of the first times I recall, because I don't even think this was in uh, Norton's Metamorpho Year One mini, the um, the meteor that, uh, that he found uh, in the pyramid, we actually see it change and transform his body, and it is grotesque. Uh, I didn't think Mora could draw this um, ugly, and it's it's shocking um, and hella scary. But 
um, we uh, we find out that uh, you know Batman and Robin are going to investigate the scene of the crime. Um, housekeeping found Stag dead of poison, but uh, Batman found no possible delivery system. Uh, the room was locked and bolted from the inside. Unfortunately, Rex Mason is AWOL. Um, and there, that's pretty much suspect number one. Um, but while that's going on, Metamorpho was actually at the Metropolis History Museum preventing uh, thieves from running out with uh, some of the um, artifacts from the Egyptian wing. So while he takes care of them, um, Batman and Superman and Robin show up as well um, to talk to him. And, uh, and, and Metamorpho has no knowledge that Simon Stagg has, uh, has been murdered. Now, while that conversation is taking place, um, Jimmy Olsen is at Stagg Mansion to talk with Sapphire. Um, but Java interrupts the interview and kicks Jimmy out. Um, when we get back to our heroes, um, Metamorpho says, listen, I, I, I got to call Sapphire. Uh, Batman says, yeah, in a minute, you don't sound terribly upset. And, there's a great panel of Metamorpho turning and seeing his reflection. He's like, well, yeah, well, um, and Batman says, but you also haven't asked me yet who killed him. And that, that always seems weird to me, but, uh, Rex is like, yeah, well, you know, my bad for thinking about Sapphire first, but what is wrong with you? And, um, and, and Batman is just completely, uh, suspicious downright judgmental just thinking you know listen uh yeah rex we've been friends for a long time but i need you to tell me where you were this afternoon and rex is like dude i went helium i was floating around the city taking in the sights are you calling me a suspect and batman's like yo bro i'm just doing my job it's all good rex give sapphire my love and he leaves and and uh batman gets to the roof and he's asking superman if he's heard anything and he's like you know that i hear did I catch Rex lying? I can't tell with him. He has no traditional heartbeat, so, you know, we can't really go by that. Um, turns out Stag was poisoned with a VX nerve gas, a banned substance, rare and hard to procure. But, of course, Rex can simply generate it. Um, in gas or liquid form, he could exit Stag's suite without anybody even being aware of it, without notice. And Batman... Superman reminds Batman that, you know, you always assume the worst, Bruce. We, we've known Metamorpho for years. Um, maybe not closely, but it just doesn't sound like him. And Batman, of course, says to Superman, I wish I could share your optimism. But never forget how evil and manipulative Stag could be. He's cost Wayne Enterprises alone millions by interfering in deals that would help people of Gotham all because I once beat him at tennis. So, obviously, nobody really likes Simon Stagg, but um, turns out that uh, at the end of the first part, Jimmy and Bruce and, and Clark um, look at 
all the information and and kind of sees whatever facts they have found where, where where it all points to um and clark just really doesn't want to publish his story and and perry's like you know if there's something if if you know something that, that there's 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 something you're not saying so do you have some reason to believe that this man is innocent and he says, and Clark is just saying he can't have done this. It's, it's it's not him. And and so Perry's just like, you tell me why he can't, and we won't run the story. And and Clark's like, I I can't. So Perry's like, well then you leave me no choice. We're 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 running this now. And the headline says Bruce Wayne arrested for the stag murder. And um, Harvey Bullock and and Renee Montoya are are escorting him away from. Wayne Manor, but um, the the second part we have uh, whether or not it was Bruce who killed him. Um, there's a uh, while Bruce is out on bail, he's having a conversation with Oliver Queen, um, but uh, but Bruce just something doesn't seem right with with, with this conversation uh, with Ollie and. When we get to the bottom of it, and and Metamorpho and our heroes kind of uh, team up a little bit because they're they're all working together to try to find out what the hell's going on. Um, at uh, at Stags's funeral, um, Bruce Wayne is um, isn't no Bruce Wayne is not at the funeral. Um, it really isn't well attended. It's Java. It's Metamorpho. It's Sapphire. It's Clark. Um, but he, uh, Clark and Bruce are putting pieces together, putting their heads together. And, um, and there has been something gnawing at Clark. So he, um, he, he did a X-ray vision inside the coffin using his X-ray vision. Um, he says uh, formaldehyde is a specific odor when interacting with the human body. And this isn't it, nor is that a human brain. And turns out that stag was an Android duplicate. So now we've completely changed from this, this murder mystery, this whodunit, this, this bringing metamorpho into, um, into the world's finest universe, and now we have Ivo and Amazo, and basically Ted Cord, Oliver Queen, uh, Tio Morrow, Magnus, anybody that is an inventor or, or scientist or works with AI or robots, um, Ivo, Amazo has, uh, has basically kidnapped them all and uh and is putting them to work and it's now a um it it, it it's now this plot to kind of basically destroy humanity um and it's we we've got we've got ultramorpho which is just this insane almost amazo kind of version of of metamorpho um other you've got uh the metal men in action and red tornado and it's the penultimate chapter is just 
an insane amount of action and uh, realizations and revelations and and Batman, of course, because they don't know Batman is Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne wasn't kidnapped and they're just so Batman and Superman are both kind of de- are, are neutralized. Um, Superman is there's the, the, the kryptonite at one end of the room and he's chained up and so obviously he's 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 not useless but he, I mean he's he's not he's not chained up that he's like incapacitated but he's not he, he basically is just a normal person at this point. Um, but you've got uh, they were able to Batman was able to manipulate some of the uh, some of the workers on the factory line like like, like Toy Man and and uh dr bertram and, and they um they were they basically made an arrowhead and piecing together some rebar or or, or whatever flat pieces they could find they, they they fashioned a a uh a bow and not knowing that oliver queen is green arrow the the, the captors didn't um batman hands all of this to ollie and um and Oliver is, uh, he, he cracks, he, he fires the arrow at the, uh, the, the kryptonite version of, of this Amazo, uh, cracks the skin, breaks the, uh, the machine open. And then, uh, some of the other bad guys on the factory line grab uh, lead shielding and cover the androids. So Superman's able to, uh, to break free. And he's still a little weak, but um, but before uh, they can be attacked, you've got a whole bunch of heroes swooping down to uh, to join the battle. And um, and from you just there's they're trying to stop Ivo, um, but Ivo really isn't in control anymore. Uh, this new Mezo's kind of um, doing his own thing, and and uh, and while some of our heroes think that they've kind of saved the day or at least solved the uh, the problem, um, they you know they rescue Stag and and everybody's trying to get home. Batman is um, is left with Supergirl, um, and then all of a sudden, Supergirl's body starts to change and transform. In the last page, we see um, we see Amazo um, with a power ring, uh, ready to attack Batman. And and then the um, then we get it to be concluded. So we'll get we'll get the resolution to this story. But it was just like I said I, I thought we were going with a with a with a whodunit and trying to figure out maybe who framed metamorpho and how our heroes are going to get him off the hook. But then it becomes this other thing with all the other super smart folks from the DC universe being held hostage so they can do the work of, uh, of an Android who wants to basically take over the world. It, it was nuts. I, it, I thought it was going one direction and, and Wade had his zagging somewhere else, but it just looks amazing all the way through. I, what I'm really enjoying about World's Finest, aside from, of course, the great art and getting the way to write a story, is that we're getting Wade writing a story and more drawing this great art, bringing in so many 
of the DC and not the DC characters that like you're reading about in any of the other current DC books. This is kind of like this its own little kind of bubble universe where where this this moment is almost like caught in amber where where you have the versions of these heroes that I'm a fan of that are closer to what I was reading when I started reading. Um, it's just, it's firing on all cylinders for me. It just, it, it, it hits, it's me right, right. And it, it reminds me, it, it's not the same at all, but I, it, it, it's a similar feeling that I had when, um, when Tomasi was, was writing super sons and, and yeah, that awesome Jorge Jimenez art. But I just, that's when it's, it's just comfortable. I just, I really like revisiting or not even revisiting, but just, remembering or, or having this like kind of rekindle um the version of these heroes because i'm not I'm, I, I'm not worried about you know how many reboots it's been or where this lines up with whatever version of whatever multiverse this is right now i just i i i want fun entertaining good looking well-told stories and and that's exactly what i'm getting with with what's world's finest it's absolutely one of my one of my favorite books right now it's it's easily a um a top five dc book for me i mean probably a top five book period but it it's it's just it's so damn entertaining it's definitely a throwback to yeah. uh, uh what i consider a much better time i think it's uh I, i'm not gonna call it fluffy but uh-huh. it's lighthearted, which is yes. is is good I wish they all were like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I like that there's something out there for everybody. Right. Whatever you're in the mood for, whoever you're grooving to, that's cool. You know, you've let, you've gotten your certain creators or this is your version of these characters and that's great. So I like that we're not, we're not just one line across everything and this is just, this is the world or universe you're living in. You've got whatever is, whatever you're into, they're offering it to you. And, and you know, we've had, we, we started off talking about the Hulk and and we mentioned previous Hulk writers. We mentioned Immortal Hulk. We glanced over the most recent version because not too many people were feeling that. So and and if it doesn't work, then you just you wait. You'll be able to come back and and something will strike that uh, that something familiar that that you just you enjoyed so much when you were reading whenever. Yeah. Well, I have something that's definitely not for everybody. Oh. No. Um, it's Red Room. <laughs> oh, okay. No, it definitely is not. No. But I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, um, Yeah. you read at least the first issue, right? I didn't read it in its entirety. Okay. Expected. But uh, this is the first issue of the newest arc of Red Room. It's called Crypto Killers with a Z. <laughs> written and illustrated by Ed Piscor, of course, published by Fanagraphics. Well, I got to give Piscor credit, uh, as as always. Not only is is the, the guy's a damn fine illustrator, but um, this issue is taking a break a bit from the graphic carnage. That was kind of the showcase of of previous arcs. I'm sure it's only momentary, but a uh, a lull it is nonetheless. Uh, 
because it showcases the fallout after the death of Davis J. Fairfield, a.k.a. the Decimator, a.k.a. the Steel City Cannibal, uh, at the hands of scumbag deviant lawyer Dominic Simone. There's a saying. There's a lot of foreshadowing in Red Room. Piscor really has planned this out. Um, something was teased in the very first issue of the very first arc that comes to play, not only in the last arc, but in this one primarily. Um, Davis had a saying. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And it, there's a little patch that was sewed into his daughter Brianna's backpack. And it may just seem like a trifle, right? But it plays out because after her fa- after the death of her father and everybody finds out what the dude was up to, Brianna is assaulted by the media. And not only the media, but like the general population because, you know, her father was a cannibal. He was a murderer. He was a serial killer. Nasty business, right? Uh, so she's down and out. She can't even ride the bus. People recognize her, start, you know, flinging hate in her direction. She, she didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, it was her daddy's job uh, in more ways than one. So she's let go from her job because her employer doesn't want the hassle of having somebody in the place that is a, an infamous well, not she's not infamous, but her father is. So therefore, shit can be rained down on his establishment. So she's let go. She's got very little money uh, or resources. Dad didn't have any life insurance. And to make it all that worse, the girl's hounded by sneaky De Simone, the, the lawyer. Um, he breaks into her house. He rifles through the place. He tries on her undergarments. Yes, you read that right. He, or you, you heard that right. He, he tries on her, 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 um, her bra and stuff, and looks at himself in the mirror. And the dude was expressly forbid, then, by Mistress Pentagram, to do so. And he works for Mistress Pentagram. In, in her own words, she said. I abhor stupid mistakes and unnecessary risks. And that's exactly what this guy is doing. Because how has she been in this murder business for so long because of her cautiousness and her discretion? And some scumbag asshole lawyer with with massive fetishes and a mad-on for this girl could fuck things up for her. So she told him, like, just let it go. It's better left in the past. It's not going to come to f- any kind of fruition. So just don't do it. Leave her alone. And he's like, yeah, 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 okay. And here's the problem. Mistress Pentagram just lost her cash cow. She wants to be the number one red room. And she, now that that the decimator's gone, she needs desperately a replacement. You know, you got to fill up them coffers with with the Bitcoin. So she needs somebody to fill those shoes. And she discovers that Dominic was doing exactly what she forbade him to do. He tries to break into Brianna's new crib. She abducts him. 
She paralyzes him. And then she begins to break the man's spirit in order to rewire him to better suit his new position as a Red Room killer. Like the guy, if you don't remember, but early in the series, the guy just could not get enough of the Red Room stuff. Um, he's extremely bloodthirsty, very mean-spirited. Um, the more graphic and brutal the Red Room's antics got, the more he enjoyed it. Like he would throw stupid amounts of money at these people. Uh, he's, he's in real deep, right? And Piscor teased this way, way back in the first issue of the Antisocial Network. She, she told him, you fuck up and you're going to find yourself killing in the Red Room. And I didn't, you, know, you didn't pay any attention to it. And here, it's coming to the forefront. Piscor also teased Davis's bad heart. Many issues would showcase the fact that, you know, he was a big guy. He was extremely overweight. And uh, Piscard would, would put little things in there where, the, you know, his heart was, was not perfect. And that's how he died. Um, DeSimone killed him with a, a pinprick of, of, he injected him with shit that made his heart go kablooey. Um, but what's that? I said that Brianna didn't have much money. How can she afford a new place to live? This is where the patch comes in. She's on the she, she's looking at her backpack and she's she's like the patch always makes her smile. Even though her life is a shitstorm and daddy wasn't what she thought he was. Like she suspected something was up going into past arcs, but she didn't know about the red room business, right? And so she's looking at the patch and she's smiling, she notices in the corner some of, there's like a gap in the thread in the stitches so she peels it back and she pulls out a piece of paper and on the paper is a QR code for a paper wallet and she scans the code and Davis's crypto wallet is rebuilt and Brianna is now flush with crypto 300 million dollars the girl is dripping with Bitcoin. And then she's, she's, which makes her wonder, what the frig was my father involved in? Like, she is stupid rich now. That's how much money he made in the Red Rooms. Like, he would, there's, there's one point in a, in a, in a prior arc where um, Mistress Pentagram finds him a million dollars because he didn't, he was killing people outside of the Red Rooms. And she she just couldn't have it because it's a it's a it's a it's a possibility that she'll be discovered. So she's like, I'm going to find you a million dollars, and he just shrugs it off. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. you know, yeah. So I mean, yeah, this this series again, you know, if you even have the slightest inkling of what this thing is about, it's not for everybody. It is brutal and savage as hell. But um, and Piscor even acknowledges in this issue that. Um, in the beginning of it, Bitcoin is the shit. Like, the cryptocurrency is the rage. Towards the end, not so much. Like, he, even, there, there's, it's stated in the narrative that crypto's on the decline, which is, is pretty cunning, pretty sa savvy, right? And uh, at least keeping up with the times. But I, I think initially I said, what the hell is, is Ed doing? Like, this is nothing. Like, 
uh, gangster, not gangster rap posse. I'm thinking of our friend, uh, Mr. Mara, the hip hop stuff. And it's completely unlike um, the X-Men stuff that he did for Marvel. But it's really cool. And it's, I, you know me, it's transgressive. If you show me a, char- a character being ripped apart, boiled in oil, <laughs> like uh, many body parts ripped off and stuck in their faces, like, I'm going to love it. Because it's not something you see every day, right? Uh, it, it, it's really uncompromising. Um, and I think it's brave, incredibly brave, for Piscor to, to have gone down this route, especially considering the, the premise and the themes of this thing. Like, it's just, it's, it's nasty business all around. But I kind of love it. And, I, and it's been a while since I talked about it, because you can't bring Red Room to the table you know, every couple episodes, you need a little breather in between, and and I, that's what I've done. Like I, I usually wait for the arcs to finish until I read them. But this one, I don't know. I, I, I just I read the last one. I said, well, I, I had it. I might as well just continue. Um, that's why I'm talking about it. But it's it's really well done. The illustration is is Chef's kiss. Like he's really he's really talented with a pen. A, a pencil and pen. He, he is. The, you can't front on Piscor's drawing ability. You really can't. At least I can't. I mean, it, the proof is right on the page there. The guy is right. is fucking talented, um, extremely so. And uh, but it, it pays off. Uh, this issue was really neat in that there was a a, a brief lo- like the story ended, but then it picked up again. Which which I thought was neat. It was almost like a Kirby chapter break, if you remember. Um, Commandy was busted up into chapters, as was um, other of Jack's DC work, and that was kind of the feel here. It didn't expressly say chapter two, you know, like Jack used to shove it down your throat, but um, it just had that 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 feeling, that that breathability, that okay, this 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 part of the story is now gone the distance and now we're going here and I, I like that i like i like chapter breaks i think it's 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 a neat little touch and it doesn't it's pretty effortless right to do yeah. it but it just it, it it it's a pause and i think in something like like red room you you'd need a pause oh for sure yeah, yeah i will yeah. say reading an entire arc of this stuff holy crap like you need a shower after it cuz it is just it's extremely vicious. It's people being killed for sport and 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 money like that's that's brutal. But yeah. uh, Ed Ed doesn't shiv like it's right there on the page, man. He doesn't cut corners. Uh, and I and design wise, I think he's uh, tip top too. Like Mistress Pentagram, that design people have gotten her tattooed on their bodies. I don't know what that says about the 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 canvases but i think the the design of mrs mistress pentagram is incredible he really plugged into something um way way outside of the norm with that but i think he was very successful in 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 that design and just the whole book in general like a lot of the characters um are are really well designed but i love it um if if you're 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 brave and you haven't read Red Room? Give it a try. Uh, I would maybe sample 
the first issue before you do like there are many ways to do that i didn't think um dc did a free comic book day red room i believe at one point maybe you can scare that up i i wouldn't invest in it if you're not entirely sure what you're getting because it, it it it's it's abrasive it it is it is like like tearing off a a massive band-aid that you've had on for a while it's it's gonna sting right Mm -hmm. but uh i just love it i do um what does that say about me i don't know uh i can dispel my uh concerns for the human race long enough to enjoy this i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so yeah rep uh, red room crypto killers with a z it's trendy uh, written and illustrated by Ed Piscor. Fanographics uh, bravely publishes it. So uh, go get it if you're adventurous. There you go. Well, I'm looking at the, the the clock on the wall, my friend. It's a, We did a stretch. Not bad. Ah. Look at you. Look at that. We didn't even get to finish uh, no, the we'll carnage s- rains. We could save that. We could save yep. Monomyth. We got a lot of things on deck. Yes, so, yes, we do. Uh, 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 the um, Magic Order, we read all of that. I got a tip of the hat to Jason, too, for kicking me in the ass to read that. You know, it's... I don't want to say it while he's here. Right, no, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it, this was... Magic Order was a series, it still is a series, that uh, I have all the issues of I, I, I ordered them as they were coming out. Um, Quapel, come on. So like, it'd be stupid not to, but then the second book came out and I didn't read the first six issues, but I'm like, well, I'm not gonna stop now because it's Miller. So I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be, if, if, if he's making a sequel to the first mini, then there has to be something there. So true. Cause how many of the other books has he done? for image and part of the Netflix deal that, that really haven't gotten, I'm not talking about Jupiter's legacy or, but I mean, you know, Kingsman had a sequel, but I don't think wanted did kick-ass seems to be going on forever, but he doesn't do a lot with everything he does. He doesn't constantly just keep coming out with new series of, of, of that title. So, uh, second book came out, second miniseries was announced. It's like, like I get that then still hadn't, read the first then a third came out i'm like well that like you with the hulk going past 10 issues i can't stop now so i have all 18 from the first three i have the first five i've all the five to date from book four waiting for the sixth issue to come out because that's going to be like a doozy i just i i don't know why i i used to kind of just like self trade weight I, as a reward because I was going to school so I would when I was going yeah, for, same. for graduate work you know so okay I'm rewarding myself I'm gonna I would always buy issues but I wouldn't sit down to read them until as a reward to myself and then and, and by that time I could have just bought a trade but still I had the issues so I was reading them that way so that's kind of what I was doing magic order then they just kept getting buried further and further down yeah the regime the stacks of books that I'm surrounded by so um with the big game coming out uh, next month, we're still in June, in, in July, knowing that a lot of what Miller's been doing is all leading to that, um, 
I figured, you know, it's it's easy enough to get caught up on five or so issues of Nemesis Reloaded. It, it, it's easy to read a few minis here and there, but I mean, now we're talking about something that's that's you know two dozen issues worth. I need to get on this, and um, and and I did, and yeah. So we we all read everything up to date, the the the, the first three volumes, and what we have of the fourth, um, and it's it. It's absolutely wonderful. There's there, there's something about Miller. He doesn't. He's not necessarily reinventing the wheel. It, it it's still good versus evil, but the way the way he's telling that story, like you you seriously think you you there are moments where you really don't know how the good guys are going to get out of this mess. How, how are they going to save the day? And he he does it in a way, for me at least, where I'm just, I cannot deny how much joy his stories bring me. And and, 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 and even when th- there's so many other stories, there's so many other forms of media where you know you don't know who you can trust or someone isn't who they appear to be, someone's lying, and... There's there may be a lot of that in the magic order, but it's just it, it a lot of stories I read, it's I know where we're gonna end up. So it's just it's the journey, not necessarily the destination. But here I I gotta see how he's going to wrap up a story and, and, and especially with magic order, like with everything that's been going on since the first volume, since the first book. Since we were introduced to the Moonstone Clan, I just—it's—it's it's an amazing piece of work. It is—it—it it, it may, uh, out of everything I've read from him, I—I'd have to seriously sit down and and think about how I would rank it. But the Magic Order is—is is without a doubt near the top of that list. I—I I mean, even as even the his co-creators, the the artist he has working on each each of the different volumes, it's it's fantastic. I I really I cannot I I cannot believe how much I'm enjoying right. this series. Yeah, um, I'll I'll it's easy for me. I think it's the best thing he's ever written. Okay, I yeah, mean, so that's flat out. Yeah, um, and, but, but the thing is, uh, it, so obviously the the magic is at the core of these books magic and magic users wizards if you will right i think his take on miller's take on magic is far more accessible than morrison's especially to the layman like morrison knows what he's talking about because he, he he practices but I'm I'm sure Miller doesn't, but he presents the same deep concepts, inventive concepts as Morrison, but in a far more accessible way. Mm -hmm. He's not he's not trying to be clever or Mm -hmm. or or manipulate things to suit his a lot of Morrison's work in in terms of magic is 
is impenetrable to somebody who doesn't know the lingo or isn't experienced in in that stuff right you don't you don't have to delineate every like like nehi right we're we're told that this is a uh nano blah 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 parasite blah, blah, blah. you don't need that when you're talking about magic it just is right mm-hmm. just to say that i just did this spell that completely overwrote reality and and this is how it did it but you don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of it and and do the formulas and have the flow chart and all that shit it's unnecessary it's it's enough to say what it is or show what it is and let the reader absorb right that's what miller does that i think the concepts are are stupid inventive extremely so but he does them in a way that enhances the narrative and doesn't it doesn't require you to stop reading it pull up the google and it's like what the fuck is he talking about here blah 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 blah. baphomet like what is that like it's 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 fast food magic but done so in a really inventive and uh enjoyable way I, I I think he's he, at the end of the, the 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 art when you've finished it and you understand it. Isn't that the goal of the writer to to present concepts and situations and 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 um, storylines that connect with? your your readers can you really describe a lot of the stuff that went down in final crisis to somebody who hasn't read comics for a long time isn't well versed in in physics or mathematics or or magic or or you know the paranormal like it's just not going to connect but Miller takes that stuff and translates it into a language that everybody can understand. That's that's beautiful. That's that's a goal. Like yes, we know Morrison. We Grant. We we know you're a very talented writer and you're extremely smart. Maybe a little too smart, right? Because I I I think they're not only trying to dazzle the reader, they're trying to dazzle themselves, right? Yeah. With, with with their intelligence and 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 again uh, morrison they're i mean they're very smart uh, the uh I, but sometimes at the expense of the story i've always i know that uh there's a cuz i think faust talked about it but it, there is a there's an author out there who's who made sense of all of Morrison's comic work and actually kind of like made a, a, a timeline how everything kind of connects and I I know that the man is they're extremely talented no doubt about it Morrison is I almost fucked up on the pronoun I think did. I did I, I, yeah. no 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 you didn't you didn't you, you were good um, they uh, it, 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 can't argue extremely talented. But they're also a writer who 
at times, more often than not, and probably more than just about any other writer, I don't think I'm smart enough to enjoy the work. And and I there are times where I just feel like I need a PhD to get what they're trying to do. And and it's you know, I'm not gonna go apples and oranges or try to compare Miller to Morrison. It it's you you said it with it being accessible and and just, you know, anybody can just kind of pick this up. And as violent and as 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 bawdy as it may be, it's still it's still listen, these are magic spells and they're just this is how they're being presented here and this is what they do and it, it it's great but you don't you don't need to worry about just you can kind of follow along just visually you don't need to read every little thing about how this particular spell came about and what was right it, what it, it's it, it can more, be a little bit too much right right in 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 miller's fictional construct magic works it just does and, and and he'll tell you why it works and show you the effects of whatever mm-hmm. magic thing is at the forefront of the part you're reading. Morrison revels in telling you why it works. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and that's great for someone who cares about that, right? It, uh, but if it's not there, does it? hinder the storyline in any way i don't think so i really don't uh yes it's great to have information it's great to be given information to to make this this fiction that that you're consuming more more real more believable um more alive right but i I, and and i'm speaking as someone who loves William Burroughs, who who revels in David Lynch and Mark Frost, like talk about impenetrable, right? I love it, but there are times, a lot of times, when I'm I'm reading Morrison stuff and I feel like I need a guidebook, or I need the wall with the red string showing me how all these things connect and going back into dc's silver age and that's why this is important because this happened 40 years ago and it's exhausting it's too much work what's the payoff for all my investment that i understand great i understand wonderful if if the the story isn't impacted by me understanding this little bit that he thought relevant enough to they thought relevant enough to make themselves happy but it doesn't change any of the 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 outcomes or the permutate or what's going on like so great it's there okay that's why i'm the same way a lot of times with these these videos that break apart a scene in a marvel movie and show you everything like look at this in this corner here underneath the magazine that was the screwdriver used by uh like whatever that's great i don't that doesn't mean anything it doesn't it's it's just it's fluff it's ironic because it's not fluff it's meta right but it's it doesn't have any bearing on the forefront of what's going on it's it should you decide to go into that realm and 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 decipher all these easter eggs that's great 
what more power to you but to me that has zero factor into the 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 the, the piece as a whole like it doesn't make me appreciate it any more or less i don't know how you feel about that kind of stuff but like i i, I just think it's it's extraneous it's it's it, it's like a fifth wheel what is it doing is it guiding the vehicle or is it hindering i don't know i don't know and and i, I don't want to detract from morrison's work obviously a brilliant person mm-hmm. who has written things that I, I cherish. I really do. And I guess you, yeah, you we know. We talked about Book of the Months from him. Yeah, so. you could say the same thing about Alan Moore. Like, I could yep. see somebody reading Promethean going, the fuck is this? This is just bizarre, impenetrable stuff. But I live in that realm. And and more, more is much more adept at, at, at the bite-sized chunks than than Morrison is, I think. I don't know. It's it's a hard. So we don't have enough time to to adequately go into this. I, I would love to, uh, given some time to prepare, just just um, uncover. And I and I think it's it's. And when I do say more on the same in the same breath as Morrison, I, I mean it. I think Morrison has written some stuff that that can go shoulder to shoulder with 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 more. It's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But at this stage in 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 my life, look at the things I consume. I'm more concerned about entertainment than I am with narrative wizardry and and deep complex concepts. I just want to be entertained, mm-hmm. right? Uh, again, Morrison is entertaining. If you, I have to just drive by a lot of a good amount of the concepts that that they feel the need to insert into into their work. Mm-hmm. Coming from the person that absolutely adores Animal Man, right? Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I'm I guess I'm undecided or conflicted or, or one of those things. Uh, saying that the the complexity of the work is not important. On the one hand, I'd slap myself in the face for saying, you know, ten years ago. But now it's just I I I, I take a more laid back approach to my entertainment as far as comics goes. Like I, you know me. I, I still I, I read tons of of magic themed books and 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 texts. I, I love it, but I don't. Part there's a part of me that that feels the complexities of that stuff is unnecessary, as proven by Mark Miller. You don't mm-hmm. you don't need it. I always glossed over Zatanna when she was starting to talk backwards. I didn't. I mean, it's it's cute, but again, it's just a complexity that I don't think the work needs. I don't know. Hmm. But that's minor. I mean, we're talking about really hardcore concepts that uh, whatever. So yeah, that's a that's a tease, and I, I'm glad we didn't get too deep into the 
the actual storylines of Magic Order because I don't think you can do so without spoiling a lot of the payoffs that come after book one. Like you could talk book one to the, you know, for hours. Book two is entirely hinged on the events of book one, as is book three to the one before it, as is book four. Like it's, there's this organic unraveling that Miller has crafted. That's extremely entertaining to see play out. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, completely unexpected, too. Totally, you think it's totally out of left field. Obviously, I mean, all the... As he's, as as you see things play out, it was obviously intended, and, and he knows exactly what he was doing. But it's... The, rap, the, the, way it's, the way it's played out, the way everything is explained, the way the stories are progressing, you, you'd think, you know... Not necessarily straightforward, but you just think whatever happened in a previous volume or whatever happened, you know, a few pages back, that's it. But it's magic, and you know, it's it's still comics, but it still he still finds a way to knock me on my ass and yeah. hit me with the unexpected. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I've been reading these things long enough, and I've been aware of certain concepts long enough where so few things really should surprise me especially in a book about magic right but this motherfucker just haha and it's he, he's he's a goddamn magician it, it is not i yeah. can't it's magic it's for insane. the masses it really is and that's not yeah. i'm not that's not uh, saying that he he's dumbed it down he hasn't it's extremely challenging but it's presented in a delicious little shell that makes it going down a hell of a lot easier yeah, and like, whoever thought Uncle Edgar? Like, in the beginning, I'm just like, okay, oh. this old dude. And he keeps saying, I can't leave these walls. I right. Can't, yeah, we get it. We got kids. And then, holy right, shit. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, it's good stuff. But let's let's get get deep into it. Like, let's give it the respect and the attention that it deserves, I think. I almost wish it was a book of the month. I was just about to say, once, once big game starts or whatever like that, we'll give it some time and, and maybe. Maybe we can just do the whole, because even though it's it's twenty four issues, it's still it's it's not. I mean, we've read longer books. Oh than yeah, it still goes by. It it's not super dense. He relies on his artists a lot, and it's great. And yeah, there are some pages that are kind of wordy, but still. Yeah, what are you gonna do? It's not a. It's it's not it. It, it took less time to read this than I than than Sam and Mystery Theater. Yeah, it's super smooth. And that was what four issues. So I yeah. mean, it's like it, yeah. so. Yeah, I, I also go there. Um, I don't think Quapel is the best artist on the four books either. I mean, I'm not detracting from Quapel's work. It's it's no, I know. gorgeous. It's but a hell of a start. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he's there. Are better for my money, and that's saying something. When when Quapel is not the peak, I <laughs> know. Is he, he's is is he second or third? Not sure. We'll get okay. into it. Not sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, it just loaded with, with really cool concepts. The Abbey And the Hall. characters are cool, too. I mean, the families are great. And, and again, and these aren't, it's like, 
good versus evil, Hatfields and McCoys. It's 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 not he's not breaking new ground, but no. the way he's, he's he's presenting it to you is just what makes it just oh god. Yeah. It, it's, it's gonna be it's a working. killer um collected. I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna collect yeah, it. Yeah, I wonder if I'll double dip. Damn. Well, uh, yeah, I, I will. So there you go. Uh, as usual, as always, remember, please remember that this episode has been sponsored by CheapGraphicNovels.com. CheapGraphicNovels.com. It, again, it's right there in the name. Remember, the Romnibus pre-order is live. And I think, I think it's called Rom, the original Marvel use or something like that. But all you got to know is it's the Romnibus. It collects a huge chunk of Bill, Mantlo, Bill Mantlo's Rom run. Uh, it's 40% off. $125 on the back, but you're not going to pay that. It's only $74.99. $50 savings. Go to our website, 11oclockcomics.com. Search for the episode thread, 860, and the link will be right there. You don't have to search for it. You don't have to sweat. Just click on it, order it, and you'll be a better person for it. And remember, once you do make your first order, you will receive an email confirmation that says... Thank you for ordering from CheapGraphicNovels.com. And you're going to reply to that email saying, 11 o'clock comics sent me. And you will receive free shipping on your second order. Because we love you. That's why. It's true. Yes. And check out our Patreon page while you're at it. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around. We'd love to have you join the family if you like what you see. In your travels, I have two books. One's real quick. It's another. Uh-huh. It's another Marvel book. <laughs> what the hell's happening? <laughs> but, but it is a black, white, and red book. I don't know how you feel about that. What with you being the Grendel loyalist and all, but the, <laughs> you are. But but the, it, the, the but it, it makes sense here. It does. The black, white, and red, uh, let's call it a shtick, because it kind of is at this point, has become very popular. There was uh, Deadpool, black, white, and red, Logan, black, white, and red. Um, right. Yeah, Electra. Moon Electra. There's been a bunch of them. And I think it's kind of cool uh, because uh, it gives me a, a, a better glimpse into the line work when it's not, mm-hmm. you know, chunked with all the all the color. It just comes to the forefront a lot better. This book, Star Wars, Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red. It's an anthology. Uh, There is a link. The issues are all connected by one storyline, though. Uh, Jason Aaron wrote it. Leonard Kirk drew it. Uh, It's called Hard Shutdown. That alone is is a a good reason to pick up this anthology it's very good that's all i'm going to say about that i think you should read it but issue three has the absolute best reason for you to check out this anthology because it features a story aptly titled annihilated by our good buddy daniel warren johnson and this short is outstanding (laughs) if you ever if the prequels soured you a little on uh, Darth Vader 
or the potency of Darth Vader as a villain. This issue is a good reset, or, or this, this Daniel Warren Johnson story is a good reset. It will make you forget all about bitchy, whiny little Anakin and remember the villainy of Darth Vader because he, like I said, the title Annihilation is incredibly appropriate because Vader takes out a massive amount of people all by himself. It's insane. It is really crazy. Uh, just gonna, I'm just going to leave it there. If if you have a hankering to see Darth Vader just let loose and kick ass, you need this issue. It's issue three. But get them all because they're well worth it. I think the, it, it's a very cool uh, concept uh, focusing on somebody who over the years needs to be fleshed out and 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 set back to his villainous ways just you know a little opinion but here's the one i really wanted to talk about i think and i'm going to say it and 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 whatever let the chips fall where they may this is the best book on the stands right now as far as i'm concerned but remember i am a horror fan <laughs> I am a horror movie fan. I have been my entire life. There is nothing on the stands right now that massages my heart like this book. It's written by David Avalone. Illustrated by Cooper Ball. Color art by Walter Pereira. It's Elvira in Monsterland. Number two. Not going to go deep into the, the storyline because it's pretty much more of the same as started in the first issue. Vlad the Impaler is amassing a monster army. In the first issue, he was collecting Draculas. In the second issue, he sets his sight on Frankensteins. Not the monsters, but their creator. Because why waste time grabbing the creations when the creator can generate an endless supply, right? And Elvira thinks to herself, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's way too smart for Vlad. Like, he did not come up on that with that on his own. She's thinking, there has to be somebody else pulling the strings. And that's pretty much the entirety of the story. In the second issue, Vlad is chasing down Henry Frankenstein. And... The monster, and you know the the shtick. He he's he's got the remote that lets him pop into into classic horror movies, and he settles into Bride of Frankenstein. Have you ever seen Bride of Frankenstein? The movie? Yeah. Uh, probably years ago. Well, he jumps into the famous scene where Elsa Lanchester, as the bride, looks at. The monster, his in, the, the, Elsa is his intended bride, the whole title, there you go. And she screams. She's repulsed by him. The, all the characters are there. And Elvira stops Vlad from, because Vlad learned from Christopher Lee how to mesmerize people. He didn't know. How, he didn't know how to do that previous, and and Christopher Lee taught him 
how to do the old vampire mind trick on, on people and turn them to be his slaves. It works on some characters in here, but it, it doesn't work on the bride. Mm-hmm. And, and Vlad grabs the monster and goes through a portal. And so the bride of Frankenstein is standing there with Elvira. And Elvira got thrown to the ground. And the bride helps her up. And she says, thanks, beautiful. Um, Elsa, the, the bride breaks character. It's Elsa Lanchester now, the actress that played the bride of Frankenstein. She breaks character and tells Elvira that she realizes that she, a woman born of man, get this, this will fry your freaking synapses. This is like one of the best panels I've ever seen in my life. Okay? Long life. So Elsa Lanchester tells Elvira that she realizes that she's the sister to Maria and the grandmother of Rachel. That may not make sense to anyone, but it does to me. Because Maria, in question, is Bridget Helm from Fritz Lang's Metropolis, a woman created by man. Hmm. And Shang Young's character of Rachel in Ridley Scott's Blade Runner was a replicant created by man. It's almost too much for me. Like the joy that I derived from this one panel. I almost died. I almost just died. Turned into a puddle of quivering goo. That is brilliant. That is absolutely... It's, it's legendary. It's an amazing panel. It's crazy. How good this is. Like, again, if you're not a horror movie fan, this is going to be like, ooh, whatever. But it's, it's that, again, Morrisonian, uh, we'll go back to that, conceptual continuity where he, Avalon's linking things, disparate, random shit from movies and pulling them together in a way that makes absolutely perfect sense. And again, call me nuts, but... That one panel made my entire year so far. It's, it's beautiful. It, 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 the, it glitters like a diamond. It's so clear in, in concept. It's, it's amazing. But anyway, um, the, you may recall the original Universal Frankenstein in 1931 where the monster's sitting there on the banks of the, the water with little Maria and they're throwing flowers into the water and watching them float. And, and the monster runs out of flowers. So he picks up little Maria and throws her in the lake and she, in the water and she drowns. Right? Elvira gets there before he can throw Maria into the water and stops the monster from doing it. He kicks him in the balls. She's <laughs> like, I, I hope your creator went to the extent because she, she kicks him in the balls. And she has a one-on-one with Maria, right? So I don't know if, if, if you recall the famous scene where the father's walking down the street with the dead daughter in his arms. Elvira goes, you're not dead. And the, girl, the girl's like looking at him, going, shut up. <laughs> it's so great. It is just amazing. Uh, it, it's a wonderful series. Like I, the, It's really stupid how much joy I'm getting out of it, but... This book is lighting my entire world on fire. It's burning it down. Um, we love thought balloons. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. There's a I pa- saw the panel you posted. Yeah, there's a panel where Elvira's talking to herself out loud, and Vlad comes in. He goes, you, you're, you're crazy. Why are you talking to yourself out You know. And, and she goes, oh, yeah, I, I remember. That could have been a thought balloon because Avalon's trying to bring those back. Like, breaks the fourth wall, mm-hmm. acknowledges that she is a character in a comic book and that she needs to rely on comic book conventions because the writer loves it and wants to bring it back. Insane. It's just completely insane. insane. El- Elvira in Monsterland number two. Just read it. Again, if you're a horror fan, you're not reading this, you are sorely missing out. This is the book of the year. I don't need a a, a book to be uh, the link that restores humanity. Like Jason loves the, the, the stuff that, that has depth and meaning and social relevance. Uh, no, this is my stuff. No. This is my stuff. Elvira Monsterland. Get it. Uh that's great. I love that you love it. It, it and it does look good. I, I'm I'm going to give it a shot because it does look so great. Um I decided to give a um give something from Dark Horse a shot. Not necessarily against my better judgment. Um, it's a parody. It's it's no, you know exactly what it's supposed to be mocking, for for lack of a better word. Um, it's a force mini series. Read the first. I read the first couple of issues. I, I, I just started the third this afternoon. But I'm just gonna talk about the first issue. Um, written by David A. Goodman, who. Um, Aside from being um, the president of uh, the Writers Guild of America West, um, he is a writer and producer. Uh, he's written for the Golden Girls, written for Futurama, um, written for Star Trek Enterprise. He was a producer, executive producer for Family Guy. He's done a lot uh, in Hollywood. Um you might recognize him. You've probably heard his voice. Anybody, anytime Ray Romano gets impersonated and someone's not trying to impersonate Ray Romano and just like speak normally, it's probably this guy speaking normally. Uh, the book is illustrated by uh, Alvaro uh, Saraseca, who has done a lot of work for um, for Dynamite, for Top Cow. Uh, He's done, um, he did Turok for Dynamite. He's worked for Aftershock. The, the, the style is, it looks to be like there might be some uh, reference material used as far as the characters go. And some of them might even be maybe celebrities. I mean, we're not talking about like Salvador and New Universal, but, um, there are some faces that kind of look a little familiar as if this were to be made into something live action. They already know who they have in mind to play the parts, but it's a book called space job and it's, it's not serious at all because, um, the ship that we're focusing on 
in the first first panel is the SS George H.W. Bush. And Danny Sheridan is ready to be the new first officer on the Bush. And uh, just last week, uh, he was working in the kitchen. And then he finds out that uh, that he got a promotion. Um, he was working towards it. He finally got it. And now he's just, you just know he's an asshole right off the bat. Because aside from, um, like, why you would just think you could go from kitchen duty to being first officer on the bridge of a ship, that baffles me. But uh, he, um, he figures, he's thinking to himself, this makes total sense. The captain of the bush must have seen that a chef's assistant is the perfect preparation to becoming a first officer um he's only 29 there are probably officers on the ship that are older and have more years of service and then he says but they're going to find out pretty quick that i'm not going to take any shit he'll be sorry he didn't carry out an order fast enough for me that asshole whoever he is he's talking to uh those guys will be jealous of me and my rank and that first officer's got a personal assistant a yeoman She'll probably be a first-year ensign, probably no more than 21, even though fraternization is frowned upon. She won't tell anybody because she'll be worried about it. He's, like, he's got this whole thing mapped out. He's just like, he's, he's, he's going to be taking over the ship in no time. But the bush is not docking at the station that he's, well, stationed on. So um, he's calling out. He uses the comms. And, and, uh, alerts the bush and and they respond back and he says listen this is daniel sheridan the first officer of the ss bush and the person on the other end of the comm is like our first officer is dead he's like i know i'm his replacement he's like well you're not on the ship so you haven't replaced him yet They're going back and forth so he's he's fed up he puts on a spacesuit he's going to float over to the ship with his duffel bag the duffel bag was not designed for the vacuums in space so Everything in the duffel, the duffel bag kind of just explodes and everything kind of drifts off into nowhere. And now he is trying to float to the ship. At first, it looks like he's going to miss it, but he's actually in, he ends up making it. Uh, can't stop, bangs into the ship, finds the, uh, the airlock, gets inside, and there is a cute but slightly chubby redheaded young lady in glasses who happens to be his yeoman and he's all pissed he's like this better not be my yeoman this is bullshit i can't believe i got somebody who looks like her he's like uh she's asking you know if you have any belongings and he's like do i look like i have it he's just berating her do i look like i have any belongings she's like well i can help you out of your spacesuit if i wanted out of my spacesuit i'd have told you i needed help and he's just he makes his way to the bridge and the bridge is pretty much empty except for the communications officer who is talking to their partner. Um, and there is a, uh, the helmsman has this little like plexiglass or lucite box, clear box that some strange looking alien is inside of. Um, and very 
very kind of like one word answers from the helmsman. Doesn't doesn't give a lot. So the first officer asks if that's the first officer's chair, and he says, well, "I'm going to sit down," and he starts messing around with the panel, and all of a sudden, a like six inch piece of plastic shoots into the guy's forehead, and the panel, the armrest on the officer's chair is smoking so obviously something went on with the chair the captain shows up on the bridge an overweight dude kind of looking like oliver platt um and uh and he's like well fuck me that's the new first officer isn't it and so he's like um why didn't anybody tell this guy that's at that's how the first officer he's replacing died. It's like, well, he's been on board for 10 minutes. Nobody could talk to him. And that's what a lot of this book is. There's a lot of, a lot of snarky, smart ass answers by people who are selfish. And I really, really, really should not like this book because there are so many characters who are just not likable. And, the captain is waiting for a desk that he won on eBay. They haven't left this area of space yet because they're still waiting for cargo. And the, um, the captain calls, uh, calls in one of his officers while he's on the toilet so the door's open and he's like well i'll i'll come back and he's like oh no no he's like why would you do that i just called for you and then he says uh but i called you here now i know i called you here i called you because i know you feel responsible and he's like well actually i don't he's like no no well you should because it's kind of your fault that that guy died and it's like it's like no it no it doesn't and and so he flushes the toilet and homeboy says uh so you you, you didn't wash your hands and your favorite line of the book, false alarm, no captain's log today. Now, what was I saying? And it's just, it's, it's kind of that, 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 that childish humor. The captain's a prick. Um, when he's talking about, uh, the kind of desk that, uh, that he won, it's, he's talking about other captains on other ships. They have like these beautiful, like walnut desks and, but because it's the future and there aren't as many trees around, he's talking about how his desk is made from press board. And it's so rare because they don't make desks like that anymore. And it's just like, you couldn't be more stupid. And that's just how these people are in control or commanding a spaceship completely boggles my mind the, the there are a couple of characters that a couple of crew members that are just trying to get by and do their job but for the most part the captain the helmsman um the first officer is dead they did an autopsy but the captain needs the first officer alive because when the admiral calls him and says you need a first officer he says no no i have a first officer he says no your first officer is dead he's like no 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 it's a work in progress we're getting him back and if if he doesn't survive then i'll promote from within and the admiral says three weeks ago you didn't have anybody worth promoting 
what changed? He's like, oh, well, three weeks is a lot. He's just going back and forth. He's, he's making excuses. I haven't figured out why yet. But there's just a bunch of boxes and cargo on this ship. He, I, I don't know what he, why he's doing what he's doing. But, but getting there is painful and humorous. I, Goodman Ox obviously knows the foundation of of these old science fiction shows he's he's written for star trek he knows a lot about star trek because the futuronima episode that that he wrote was devoted heavily to to trek lore so i this is all very familiar it's, it's kind of this is what i kind of figured the orville to be like because i still haven't tried watching that show yet but this is just it's it's weird. It, it, this is a weird in your travels. It went on way too long. It doesn't sound like something that I would probably recommend, but for some reason, I actually am. It's only four issues. Fourth issue, I think, came out this week, but uh, it's um, it 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 looks great. Sarasek's art is is wonderful, um, and it, it's just I i want to see where goodman's taking this i i gotta I, I gotta finish it now i'm halfway done so I'll, I'll i'll see you through to the end but it is it's it's weird i didn't know what to expect i didn't think i was going to like it part of me kind of doesn't but there is stuff here that um that i do enjoy and uh i'm just it it's a weird one but yeah in your travels from dark horse space job that's all i'll say okay <laughs> I got, I got. I, I just, I was looking at my list, and I'm just like, you know what? I was reading this before, before we started tonight. So let me, let me riff on this then. And and it's just, but yeah, not too many likable characters. But it, it's, it's pretty. I, I, it, it, it's nice to look at. Awesome. Cool. I'll have to check it out. All right, you people, thank you for being here with us one more time. We hope you come back next time because we have a surprise for you. Yes. Yep. Um, there will be someone in the third chair, but I won't say who. No, you shouldn't. Not. Nah. You'll like it. You'll love it. You'll thank us. You will love it. Yes. Because you um, loved it last time. Go, sh- go to some comic shop or online uh, institute and get yourself some comics. Read them, love them, talk about them. We'll have a sandwich, maybe some cookies waiting for you when you come back next time. In the meantime, say good night. I'm going around the microphone. David. (laughs) Good night. That bass intro is freaking killer. (laughs) What do you mean? You got this. Fucking guy. (laughs) David. Nice. All because he kicked the dog. He did? That's why he got kicked out of Metallica. I didn't hear that story. He kicked a dog? He kicked that Phil's dog. Wow. Well, he was an angry young man back then. Uh, he's an angry old man. Right, but I think he's mellowed. I mean, cancer will do that to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. He he had, I think, throat, some kind of uh, upper 
body cancer, throat or neck or or something. Yeah, but um, independent of his antics outside of the recording room, the guy's massively talented. I think he's yes. a better guitarist than Kirk. Really? Yes. I think Kirk, Master of Puppets aside, can be boring. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. Uh, Hetfield's the asshole. Hetfield kicked Mustaine's dog. Well, there you go. Um, he uh, He was selling pot. But people stole everything he had. Uh, he figured, screw this, I'm going to get some dogs to stay in the apartment when I leave. So I got two dogs, took one of them up to rehearsal one time, and she put her paws up on uh, Ron McGovney's Metallica's then bassist car, and James kicked it right in the side. And I was like, what the fuck did you do? And he's like, it's a dog, it's what they do, you don't kick animals. So we went into the house, we started arguing, I ended up punching him in the face, and I think that was what uh, that's what caused me to lose my job with the band. Good on you, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, I had that I had that reverse for so fucking long. Nobody ah. kicks a dog. God I'm fucking kick a dog. <laughs> yeah, you mean you kick a dog. <laughs> We're out of here, people. Come back next time. We love you so much, and he's gonna tell you that right now. So much. Right. Y'all best come back. That's it for that one.